we'll go ahead and bring in Eric. What's up, Eric? Hey, Savvy. I, I can't believe I got in <laughs> first. I mean, because you become so yeah, I popular. I don't think anybody tried to. If they if they did in the chat, let me know, guys. But I don't think anybody tried to get into the queue. Shy tonight. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad I got in this early because, you know, the last few hours, I mean, the, the last few shows I've gone in like at the fourth or the third hour. So just fortunate. But I have not actually listened to, to the to the accusations of Russell Brand, uh, you know, to, to, to be able to speak about him intelligently. I just, you know, I, I've enjoyed the fact that he's joined uh, independent news in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that he's garnered so many, you know, millions of followers of viewers in in YouTube. And I've also admired that he's been so transparent and honest. And he does it in a way that's very sincere, eloquent, and very, uh, you know, in a way that's kind of disarming. You know, similar to Cornell West, the way he talks to people. He talks in a way that you really can't get upset with Russell because when he's talking... Uh, you can genuinely hear that the guy, at the at the very least, he sounds. In all the times that I've heard him, I've never heard him like he's. He sounds like a good person. And um, and that's just what I've you know just from watching him and listening him listening to him over the last you know several years or whatever it is. Uh, he just seems like a good guy or a good person. And every take that I've heard him take on. Uh, you know the the current state of things. He always seems to bring something, some humility to it, that in in a way to me I I can appreciate. You know, and I'm I'm not as I'm not as humble as he is. I'm not uh, you know as nice as as he is, and the way that he. But I I really appreciate the way his sincerity. You know, because I I because I'm not such a nice person at times, and I can be very harsh and very passionate. I can pick up on a lot of BS pretty quickly. Uh, and, and from listening to him, everything that I've seen him and heard him say comes off so sincere uh, that I appreciate it because he's not phony. You know what I mean? Um, and so I don't know enough to talk about, you know, whatever has been claimed on him. I, but I can say that it's become so so uh, such a thing of today's world that you know people get claims put on them and uh, a lot of times many times those accusations are wrong uh, but nothing gets retracted and then the damage is done on those people uh, not to say that you know many of the claims that are out there are not real but many claims uh, seem to be you know, put together to really go after somebody who may be doing some very good for the rest of us. Um, and then it, it, you know, and it kind of diminishes them a little bit. Uh, now, now I, I, I can also say that, you know, go ahead, go ahead, Savvy. I was just going to tell you, he's been accused of sexual assault from four different women. Now, one of them, I think the one that's causing the most uh, stir, so to speak, is the 16 year old at the time she was 16 years old, but in the UK, the age of consent is 16. I still said, even in reference to that situation, because Russell Brand was 31 years old. And I thought to myself, like, why is a 31 year old man dating a 16 year old girl? 
say that, you know, he, it wasn't cool. You know, he was, (laughs) he didn't do, you know, I, I think he, you probably say he did a number of things that he he can and does apologize for, but he also says very fervently that it was all consensual. One of the things that uh, whoever and there was a comment in the chat from uh, whoever said, uh, "I don't like that the reporters went around to dig this stuff up. It wasn't the women who came to them; they went looking for this kind of story," which I thought was a good point. That's. That's that's an excellent point. Another thing we should be ask should be asking too, why were they why were they trying to find dirt on him, right? Hit job, huh? Yeah. yeah, it's it's more than likely because of everything that he's been talking about and just sort of um putting a view on the status quo in a way that the status quo does not like. And he's definitely garnered, you know, many millions of people following him, listening to him. And I think he's opened up a lot of people's ears to a lot of things that are going on that maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity if it wasn't for him. Again, you know, because of the way he he does approach things, the way he behaves and talks, uh, it's very easy to listen to him. He seems like a reasonable person. And, and, and in today's world where a lot of people get dramatic, you know, one way or the other, I think he has just a good take on things. And he can be funny, too. You know, in a way, he can be funny, and uh, it, to me, that's it, it's it's like a fresh breath air. Uh, you know, um, among a lot of other things that go on uh, in today's independent media, uh, and so, you know, and I, I don't know. I can't say. You know, I mean, I'm not from the UK. I don't know. I didn't grow up there. I don't know if they perceive that. You know, like your question about you know being with such a young person here it, it would not be it would be like hey what's going on i mean this guy is like twice her age that doesn't seem right. normal right but i didn't grow up over there i don't know if their take you know is different from that perspective um well, different you know, things versus considered you know normal or socially acceptable or proper. well i'm just thinking of the mind this is of what is it's... illegal you know, yeah i'm just I'm just thinking of the mind of a 16-year-old girl. Like, when when I was 16 years old, like, would I realize, like, what I was doing at that point in time? Yeah, I mean, sorry, good. Oh, I was just just going to say, oh, which one, right? (laughs) How's it going, Eric? Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say that with the legal aspect, you have to draw a line somewhere, right? I mean, you have to draw the line somewhere where you say, you know, as a legal matter, this is just too young. And I believe in most U.S. states, it has traditionally been at about 16. It's kind of the thinking is that's, you know, when people are sexually active and that's when legally you we're going to say people are able to give consent. And so, you know, to me, that that's really the the important discussion. Right now, you know, I I don't know how old he is right now, Savvy. I don't know what his age is, but things have changed, you know, dramatically, or you know, uh, more so over the last ten years, twelve years or so, everywhere, and some things were looked at much differently than they were before, mm-hmm. including you know, dating ha- dating. Uh, what would you call it, dating practices or 
for the you know in some ways for the better right i mean just not being able to have folks take advantage of other people uh, i think that 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 is for the better and not to make any excuses for him or anybody but i don't know how long ago this happened and what you know in terms of the the context of the time they went all the way back to 2006. Okay. <clears throat> That's not too far back. Uh, but, yeah, and it, it, it sounds like someone is, you know, making a hit on him to kind of go after him. Uh, and they do this, uh, the media, it seems like, right? It usually seems like it's the mainstream media that goes after people. Uh, and they'll find a way to get to those people or those voices that are, for whatever reason, they're not going along with the status quo. Um, yep. And, you know, and one of the things, and again, you know, I don't want to make it a like a male thing, but even, you know, Oprah, who has done all these, or at least has maybe produced a lot of these things where, where she went after a lot of uh, black men. And some of the guys that, that were doing that stuff were probably bad, you know, but also she also conversely, didn't go after guys that you know that were white you know for the lack of a better word <laughs> like like um what's his name the guy uh, yeah like harvey weinstein harvey weinstein right so and and so it's there's a lot of a there's a discrepancy on how this is approached towards people of, or men of color versus other men or more of the status quo and how they get a pass and, you know, again, it doesn't make it right for the people of, or a man of color who did it. If they did something bad, it's still bad, right? But it, it seems like, again, those in power that have the means to go after people don't always take that approach toward, towards, you know, the status quo type of guys. Uh, and, yeah. And, yeah, and that shouldn't happen, right? So with this guy, you know, to me, just because of, over the last few years, seeing how people people who are opposing the status quo and how people uh, within the media, the mainstream media, go after them, to be to for me, I I would be I would be more willing to listen to what Russell has to say because it, it is so, uh, already you know like you're saying a hit piece uh, than not you know what I mean because of what I know what has happened over the last few years even you know Julian Assange you know. They went after him, saying that he had raped, yep. right, a woman, and 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 what they did is when they did that hit piece. I mean, this is many years before than this, uh, more effective, right? They went after him, and that made damage. It made a lot of people turn on him. Maybe even women turn on him because of that, right? Or people that were sensitive to that subject, you know, people that maybe were abused. As soon as they heard that about Julian, they turned on him. And then yes. the hit was done on him. And we know now that that wasn't true. And, but it, it's had an effect, an, an accumulative effect, you know, because once they start, once the mainstream media or those in power, they start to take hits against people, either to dem, to diminish you, to make you seem like you're crazy, that you're a cons, cons, conspiracy theorist, whatever it is, all those things have an aggregate the uh, demise on that person, uh, and then it builds this sort of uh, stigma in the public's eyes, the public's ears, on that person, 
and and then you 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 know and then essentially the mainstream media has done their job and diminished that person's ability to to do what they were doing before. That's uh, right. That's right. right. And that's the thing, because even if because some people still on social media will still say that Julian Assange sexually assaulted a woman and that has already been proven incorrect. But some people are still saying that lie. And so that's it right. changes the public opinion of you where so like and, and again, Russell Brand's a wealthy guy like he, you know, celebrity, that kind of thing. But it can change people's perception to the point where they may never want to hear from you again. That is correct. And it, and it has a long lasting effect. Like look, look how many years and they're still saying it. Right. Even what they've done to Cornell West recently, you know, not not the same thing. But, you know, the fact that he wasn't paying, supposedly not paying his child support. Yeah, he was. Pay, he's been paying it, but he's maybe he got behind. That's not the same thing. You know, that's not the same thing. He's been paying for it. Uh, but yet they went after him. And it's always the status quo agenda from the mainstream media doing a hit job on a person. And yet, conversely, you know, other people who who are part of the mainstream media don't even get asked, let alone even reports on them, you know, like even Biden, you know, with uh, Tara Reid, right? Um, they don't get yeah. the same treatment. And then what happened? And then you can see it, in, you know, we can see it play out in real time. What does that mean? You know, then somebody get, gets diminished. Somebody who could actually help people, their status gets diminished. Whereas somebody whose status quo, who does not help the regular person, re- regular everyday American, regular everyday person, they continue to do what they're doing. And, and it just seems like it's part of the arm of the status quo that they have the ability and they have those people in, uh, whether it's in print media or just regular, uh, you know, uh, I guess, you know, channels like MSNBC or what have you, they have the people in those places that can actually take those, uh, create those hit pieces and go after people that are not pushing the agenda uh, or those in power. Yeah, and I, I want to add to, in reference to uh, Tara Reid, just to make things very clear, because some of the pushback that's been coming from people is that, well, if you defend Tara Reid, then how could you not defend uh the accusers of Russell Brand and vice versa. If you're, if you defended Joe Biden, how can you not defend uh, Russell Brand? And I think the thing that people have to remember is again, with the Tara Reid situation, Tara Reid came forward. She came forward herself with her full name. She also, you know, filed a report. She reported it, not just to you know the media but also she reported it to congress she acted internally first which is what most people will do she acted internally first and tara reed has explained her story multiple times very very detailed so that's the other thing like the things that i read tonight i was like okay like notice it wasn't as detailed i was like okay well this is what this person said this is what that person said but again those aren't even their real names those are pseudonyms so we have to remember that as well so the fact that they went to look for those women and it's not like the women just came forward on their own that's another thing to think about but what is also very odd is that this investigation again has been going on for years so why are we just now hearing about it that's very strange you know, and uh, I like the, also. Well, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. I was really struck by the way the article was written. It was just very 
like non-professional. It was like a, it was like a gossip piece or something and, and lots of quotes and really, you know, not very little co um, cooperation, you know, of anything real. Well, the reporting, the original reporting came out of the UK. So just FYI. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, I just saw this little clip uh, last night and I watched it multiple times where this doctor, I guess, researcher was on the Jimmy Dore show talking about how Google has been, you know, really been using their their ability to influence people, uh, especially for uh, the last election couple years that we the last election terms that we've had and how they use their influence to manipulate people and the, and I don't know if anybody saw it or watched it on you know here on the show but it was really really good to hear this guy this doctor who has done the data and they've been analyzing Google for the last several years that they have uh, tangible information and data proving that Google has been doing this for a long time across the world and you know many times they've gotten sued but even when they get sued because Google has so many you know billions of dollars that when they get fined it's you know they don't care they'll just keep doing what they've been doing but now this doctor has uh, I guess his team they devised this way of gathering this data I forget what the data is called but it's this way that Google influences people and it's undeniable they've been doing it. What you could just extract, and it's not just Google, you know, but other companies do it too. Google's the biggest one, and, and I'm sure that YouTube probably has as well, right, and Facebook. Uh, but it's, you know, what it does is like, okay, if somebody within the mainstream media, which Google, Facebook, and YouTube are part of in some sense, they can also influence all of us collectively, you know, throughout the world to have some way of thinking and then push an agenda that they want to push. And, and, you know, and we don't know that it's happening. You know, we won't even realize it because it's in, it's sort of like inside of our psyche. And we think that, you know, things are the way they are, but it's because we've been sort of like conditioned to believe something yep. and it's happening. We just can't realize it. Right. Well, that can also be applied to something like this where something gets pushed, you know, talking about somebody negatively and then we hear more about it than we should. Uh, and then it conditions us to, to believe something, you know, and again, we can go back to Julian Assange, the same thing, you know, how, how we've been conditioned or people have been conditioned to think about this guy. Uh, you know, in fact, you know, one of the examples that I always like to use is to go back to uh, Hugo Chavez, the president of Venezuela, when he rocked the boat, you know, down in South, South, South America and essentially the status quo here the u.s agenda and i and i remember vividly i would have conversations with people that would hate him and they couldn't tell me why they would hate this guy right but they hated him <laughs> and i would always say well, what did he do to us you know he's you know we never had anybody from venezuela come out and do anything to us here in america and he's not killing anybody and yet you know we, we, we're the ones that are doing all the killing but yet you hate this guy and you you know it's because that that mainstream media is, and, and and back then it was even more powerful than it is today you know the, the the cable channels but you know that to me that's always a good example to show like hugo chavez you know why was this guy so vilified and hated and he was beloved by the majority of the poor 
the everyday Venezuelan people because he was trying to help them, you know? That's what we were talking about tonight in reference to Gaddafi. Remember the mainstream media narrative around him in Libya, but, you know, he was trying to actually unite Africa, and people need to remember that. So I think that, you know, we've been told by, and you're right about Google, and that's why some people don't use Google. Some people use Duck, like DuckDuckGo used to be, you know, the good one to go to, but then I found out they were they were bought too, so now they could be feeding that narrative as well. Like, it's it's really hard. Like, a lot of the, the messages that we receive are controlled. And there was a video that CJ played a long time ago. I'm, I'm asked CJ if he still know where that video was, if he still has it. It was on YouTube. He played a video of this guy that used to be a part of the CIA. And when he left the CIA, he was being interviewed. And he was talking about how the CIA also has controlled the media in the past. They decide which stories are reported, which ones are not. And... It's crazy. Like, you know, a lot of the narrative and the message is uh, very much controlled. Now, uh, you know, I did want to touch on a few other things. You know, Brianna Joy, I think, you know, uh, Zenk does such a terrible job now that he's almost like laughable. You know, when you hear this guy talking, I don't know how many people can believe him anymore. Um, (laughs) What's that? It was what uh, is what Jenk said said about Jimmy Dore. He said, He's a preposterous liar, and it's like you looking in the mirror, Jenk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just it, it's almost laughable, you know. But going back to Trump, you know, and I and I put some messages there on the chat when when we were on. I mean, when you were on uh, savvy about Trump. I mean, some of the things that he's saying does they do, uh, you know, like the, even all the indictments that he's had. I mean, I don't even look into them at all. You know, I don't like I just gloss over all that stuff when they whenever the mainstream media talks about Trump now. It's had such a negative effect in terms of like, I don't believe anything they say about the guy as much. I mean, you know, I I don't I know that the guy's not a good guy. I know that he's, you know, done all these racist things and whatever. So that that's not going to change my my way of, of looking at Trump. But I don't believe with the mainstream media and uh, Biden's administration has been doing to him as far as going after him. And and to, so for me, if, if I don't believe any of that, and in, in my mind, it almost makes me like, like, you know what, F, F Biden and, and, you know, I don't like Trump, but I don't want, I don't want them to come after him for that because I, I it's just injustice, you know, even though I don't like the guy. And I, I think that if I feel that way, it also, resonates the same way in other people. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's why you see all these people saying, you know, they're going to go and vote for Trump because of what they've been doing. And I think you said that too, Savvy, that his, you know, his numbers have gone up the more indictments that he's gotten, I think. I think you said that or something along those lines. Right. The more he receives, the more he increases in the polls. And again, I, I said it just goes back to the fact that a lot of people... It's the whole, like, sometimes negative press is good press. Like, sometimes having negative press can help you instead of hurting you. And I think that's what's happening with him. And then the other thing is, too, is that I think in reference to, like, these indictments, the one that I think they'll be able to get him on, and I wasn't as well-versed on this, but uh, Bree had explained this to me in great detail, and then I started looking up some stuff on my own. I think the one they'll be able to really get him on is Georgia because the Georgia situation, it's not even just that, oh, he tried to, 
you know, interfere with the election is more so that they apparently have evidence that he told them like to, to look for other votes. So that's, that's, that's a totally different thing. Like the other stuff that they have, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know about those if they'll be able to get them on that. But I think, and I think that's why they're giving him so many indictments because they're trying to get one that's going to stick. They're trying to get him on something. And I think the Georgia one, they might be able to get him on, but I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But again, like I said, I just think that this is, it's embarrassing. I want to share, you know, this, you know, one of my best friends lives out in Pennsylvania and, uh, and he hates Trump. Right. And, uh, he's a Democrat. I think he's been a Democrat pretty much the the majority of his life, basically his whole life. And he's going to vote for uh, Cornell if he has a chance, as he's told me. But what's interesting, you know, in listening to him, he doesn't dive into how we dive into things, but, you know, but I've been telling him about Fred Hampton and just teaching him about RBN, you know, whenever he's willing to listen to me a little bit, but what's happened over the last few months with all these indictments, he has actually turned much, much harder than I thought he would against Biden and the Democrats. He, and and I use him as a, as a, a barometer, a way to analyze things because he's, you know, he doesn't dive deep in like, into politics like maybe like your audience like like we do you know listening through rpn and whatnot but he also has changed his perspective on the democrats a lot and more so over the last year and even with trump as much as he hates trump he also sees the injustice of you know what's happening with trump so if you know if for somebody who hates trump like he does (laughs) and for him to say these things to me there's definitely a change out there for the everyday person. You know what I mean? That yep. it, it's too much what they're trying to do to the guy that even people that hate him, you know, they're not going to go vote for him, but still, you know, their psyche has changed and they're looking at the uh, Democrats in a, in a different way. And more so if other people get to talk to them, like me talking to him and just pointing out to him, like, hey, look at all the, you know, here's all the bad things that Obama did. Yep. Look at all the things that Clinton did. Right. And then just kind of, you know, going a little bit by little and not, not being hyperbole, but more so just being a little bit more level-headed when I talk to him and say, look, here's the examples of what Biden did and how they affected people of color. You know, he's got 50 years, right? And, I, and I'll, I'll explain to him, he's got 50 years of tangible policies, right? You can actually count the years that he was in, in office and Trump was only in office four years, right? So you, you just can't, you know, you can't dispute that. And so a lot of people, I think, are also changing and, and you know, there's more of an opportunity uh, for people to change. Uh, and one last thing I didn't want to I want to let other people to talk. But, you know, I was interested to, to think and ask you and others on the chat and you know, maybe the other callers to see what they think. What happened to the United Auto Workers president of the union who flipped that guy who sounded like he was going to, you know, fall and support? The ranking files, 97 percent of the of the people voted to strike. How did they get to this guy? You know, did they, you know, did uh, organized crime get to this guy? Did the guys from Biden get to him? How did they get to this guy to do what he did when he's, you know, where they're doing this, this uh, whatever they're calling the, the way they're striking because they're diminishing their leverage. You know, as time goes on, 
the companies can schedule their work. They can push things around. They can move pieces around so they can essentially deal with the strike. But if they would have came at them all at once, it would have been harder for them to deal with it, right? Because it would have happened all throughout. And when you're working and organizing operations for a company, when you get hit with something immediately, you have to reprioritize everything and you have to drop everything you're doing. But if it comes in by piecemeals, you can adjust to it. You know, you can adjust to the, to what's happening better than if it all happens at once. Because if it hits you all at once, you literally have to put all, everything and all your priorities on to that, right? So it gives the companies a, a, a you know a better way to solve and, and kind of uh, uh, walk their way through this rather than going all at once. So I wanted to ask you that, Savvy. Uh, I don't want to take more time, but, uh, you know, but thank you for letting me talk. Thank you, Savvy. Yeah. So unfortunately, this is something that's been happening more often than we would like, right? Like these, uh, these uh, union presidents and also union management choosing to sell out the rank and file. This is something Shama Sawant has been screaming about for quite some time. Um, I think that, you know, some of these unions, unfortunately, have found their way in bed with the Democratic Party. And I've, I've been noticing this for quite some time where the politicians that are Democrats, like they're talking to the union leaders and things like that. And so next thing you know, the whole idea of let's just go on an all outright strike, that's pushed back to, oh, we're just going to have people strike at just three three different locations. And it was just like, they're like, we're doing a strategic strike, but that wasn't the way that it was advertised. And I think that's what gave some people pause. It gave people pause because we were like, what the hell are they doing? Plus mainstream media tried to make it seem like everybody walked off the job when they didn't. So I think that again, it's just another way where we see where Joe Biden and and other people, but you know, according to Crystal Ball, the NLRB though, right? Where none of that, that, that NLRB doesn't matter if the president and other Democrat politicians are intervening with these negotiations and they're pushing these unions to just basically take less than what they're actually trying to fight for. And we're seeing that happen over and over again. And all I can say is that I think unions need to get as far away from political parties as possible uh, because we've, we've, we're seeing that happen as well, where like they should not be involved. They should not be involved. The railroad workers went through the same thing. They voted to go onto the strike. And the next thing you know, like, they're like, well, no, the union management said, let's just go ahead and go with this deal. So what I have found out is that some of these unions are, you know, funding the Democratic Party. That's part of the problem as well. So we saw like these ads that came out from different unions saying that they support Joe Biden for a reelection. But when I talked to people that were members of those unions, they said that they did not sign off on that and they did not agree with that. So obviously, this is why I continue to tell people that you can't just stop at unionization. This is why you have to go forward to worker co-ops, because if you don't own a piece of the company, you don't really have as much say so as you think that you do. A lot of the union members are not given a seat at the table when it's time to make the decisions. The union management is there and the president is there. So the union members can vote for what they want, but at the end of the day, if they're not sitting at the table when the decision is being made, then they have the opportunity to be played. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll just be interested. I mean, I'm wondering, like, does the UAW leadership have a real plan for escalation? Like, you know, and then are they really going to escalate? 
because I mean, if they do do that, you know, then maybe it is a way to get there, but you know, they have to have that and they, of course they'd have to be demanding real, real concessions. Yeah. If, if they just keep going along like this and then like nothing else happens, it's like, yeah, then it's kind of a joke. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. Let me go ahead and bring in Zach. All right. Okay, Zach, you are on the mic. You're the next caller. What's up? Hey, Sabby. How's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, I had to come back on and, uh, you know, uh, last episode, internet was choppy. So I, I want, well, I want to give my spiel again, but um, I actually want—I actually wanted to ask you if um, you could look it up and cover it. Um, so, uh, right now there's a bill in Congress. Um, uh, let's see if I can find it. I should have oh, no, been more. Eric, I have it. Eric sent it to me. Okay. Um, yeah, and it—it's a bill to raise. Um, the the amount uh people like me who are on disability are allowed to save and hold at one time from two thousand to ten thousand, which helps us economically, and then it um it erases the the marriage penalty. Uh, if if you're disabled and you get married, your um your spouse's income counts towards you, and you will lose your benefits. Your very necessary um benefits. Uh, I'll just say from my I. Uh, I take about a dozen medications and if I didn't take those because I found love, I, I couldn't take them. Um, my life would be at risk. So I, I really, uh, think, um, we, we definitely need to talk about it. I, I wanted to come on here and be a little cheeky and, um, pressure you to talk about it on your show. If you don't, um, I, I don't really, I, I would never impose anything, but, um, it is HR five four zero eight SSI Savings Penalty Elimination Act, um, and that's all I had to say about it. I just um, I wanted to come back on because last time uh, the audio audio was choppy, and I wanted to give it one more um, good spiel and hope anyone that uh, wasn't in that room uh, maybe hear about it. And I really hope you guys. Um, it would be really cool if you called your local representative, your representative for Congress and the Senate, um, so we can get this thing passed. There's, I, I believe there's supposed to be a vote in December, and if we can get this thing passed, um, uh, disabled people will have a shot at, a, I'll just say, a, a better life. Uh, thank you for letting me come on and talk about it, Sabby. Well said. Thank Sabby. you so much, Zach. All right, let's bring in Omar. What's up, Omar? You just have to unmute. Hey, Sammy. What's going on? You sound muffled. Hey, let me speak up. See, and that helps. How's that Yay. sound? Yep. All right. Hey, Sammy. Uh, A long time no talk. <laughs> what's going on? Not much. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about what's happening with Russell. Um, and I just wanted to like preface it by saying that, yeah, we don't know what, what's happened. It's not to excuse anything like, 
you know, men are brought up a certain way. And, um, but um, I think that a video that he did on it was really good because he talked about the, um, just the timing of it, that, that it's been years and years and that these people went and, and looking through for this um, kind of um, history. Um, and also Chris Williamson, who's a UK politician, he was part of the labor movement, but then he got smeared as an anti-Semite during this whole, um, I don't know if you've, you're aware of this story, but um, there was this campaign against Jeremy Corbyn uh, when he was really close to getting power and he believed yes. that, that Palestinians are human beings too. That was his biggest crime. They tried to smear him as an anti-Semite. And this uh, story came out that it was just all, all this um, backdoor kind of maneuvers against him. Uh, Chris Williamson was one of the, the people who got uh, swept up and got accused, smeared as an anti-Semite, again, because he thinks that Palestinians are human beings. Um, but he posted uh, about this on Twitter, saying that one of the journalists who was uh, leading this story tried to apply to MI6, which is the UK's uh, CIA, um, and that she didn't get accepted. and. He's just made a lot of comments about it that kind of, you know, raise an eyebrow. Um, and uh, Kim Iverson also went through kind of uh, some of the the um, different accusations and how she said that one of them is the, the one that's the most problematic. Again, we don't know what really happened. It was a while ago. Um, and then going off of what Eric said, uh, Latino Eric that, that called in, um, it kind of alludes to what Matt Taibbi has talked about before is that they try to kind of create this ick factor um, for these people that, that are challenging power like Assange. Uh, and it, I've seen it with my friends as well who are, you know, bright, but, you know, you get exposed to certain uh, media and repeated things over and over again that it starts to, you know, sink in. Um, Cause I, I remember talking to these really smart friends that I have, but who consume a lot more mainstream media than they should. Uh, I brought up Jeremy Corbyn and my friend says, Oh, aren't we supposed to think, or isn't he an anti-Semite? And I'm like, Oh, you're just repeating that. You, you nope. haven't looked into it. You haven't investigated it. He's a long, he's a lifelong anti-racist. How does that fit into him just holding this special place in his heart for, for Jews? Like, I mean, people just get swept up in all these bandwagons, the repetition of it. And it's just to create, like Matt Taibbi says, an ick factor. So even if, you know, he still has this show like, there's going to be people who are going to be swayed by, like, oh, you're talking to that guy? Isn't he a rapist? Isn't he a serial rapist? He's uh, already and, been and... found. He's technically, and this is the thing, like, the public, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people in the public have already uh, found him guilty 
in the court of public opinion. And then also uh, YouTube apparently has found him guilty for demonetizing like his channel. It's, it's terrible. Again, I want to tell people he has not been officially charged with the crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's really disgusting. Like, these maneuvers that they do against people without any due process and and it's just so convenient like that he has 6.6 million followers and he's been challenging so many mainstream narratives and just conveniently now (laughs) this comes out and it happened to shahid buttar i think you interviewed him too right that's it, right. For people who may yeah. not remember, Shahid Buttar was also accused of sexual assault when he was running against Nancy Pelosi. Um, the, the second time he ran against Nancy Pelosi, that happened. Yeah, and yeah. it just turned out that he was in an open relationship and like there was some, there was just really murky accusations and that's that's enough for people to to uh, have that ick factor. Um, And it's just, you have to look at the circumstances. Like these people are challenging power and it doesn't mean that, you know, they might not behave badly. They might not, you know, do something badly. Um, But it's just really suspect. (laughs) Yeah, I get you. And the thing is like, if they can come after him, you know, he's very popular person and for the channel, like the amount of subscribers that he has, they can come after anyone. I remember I used to tell you guys, like, they don't really come after the people with the large channels. Well, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, they don't go after Bill Clinton. They don't, like, all the people, the, the Jeffrey Epstein uh, documentary that came out on, on Netflix, they didn't really get into, like, all these high power individuals that were implicated in. In, in this abuse, they didn't go after them because they, you know, keep give, keep getting money for the people that want more and more money. They're, they're useful tools for that. They're not going to go after them. Um, but if you challenge those people and if you get in the way of their making more money uh, and, and, and just continuing with their corruption, then they'll come after you. But, you know, Bill Clinton's a scumbag. Uh, all these people are scumbags that were hanging out with with Jeffrey Epstein that that supposedly didn't know or didn't care that you know he was convicted for going after children. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he like conveniently, uh, quote unquote, suicides himself. <laughs> well. What was, do you remember, what was it that Kim said, which one might be problematic? I need to invite Kim back on. It's been a while. Um, I think it was, I think it might've been the one uh, that, who said that he uh, had sex with her without a condom or he forced himself without a condom yeah. and that they had some exchange. Um, I think that's the one she said, but you the know, again- that- the girl that had the screenshot of the text message? Yeah. Or wait, you mean the one that was that was kind of trying to defend him or no? No, or, the girl that... Who, oh, okay. 
there was the girl that had the screenshot of the text message where she said no means no and he she said there was they said there was a screenshot that replied and the reply he said was sorry yeah i'm sorry and that they had some exchange about like uh it, it, the exchange was longer than that than than what they covered i i think i heard that there was like kind of like a sort of a uh, i mean it doesn't excuse it again um, but that there was some sort of like resolution to it or like a reconcil some level of reconciliation about it. And then later on she went and, and did like a, a rape kit or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but Kim's, Kim's uh, video is also really good about that as well. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, but good talking to you. All right. Thank you so much, Omar. All right. Let's bring in Lance. Lance, what's going on? What's good? Hi, Shabby. Hi, everyone. Um, hey, how are you? Good, good. On that last point, I thought it was no means no meant that she was saying no to the sex. But immediately after that, if you listen to the whole thing, it sounds like she's saying no means no. Do I have to get tested? Meaning might I be pregnant? Like, did you come inside me? Okay. Not to get too graphic, but it sounds like the whole thing was based on whether she needs to get tested of whether she might be pregnant. It does not sound like it was no means no rape. It sounds like it's no means no, meaning I said, no, don't not use a condom. And he refused to use a condom. That's what it sounded like after I listened to it three or four times. Okay. I, but okay. Now here's the thing. Obviously it's a smear job, you know, uh, they came to the women. The women had left it alone. They didn't sue him. And uh, whatever happened, happened so long ago. And, you know, I'm glad that in the modern era, we don't just have the casting couch get swept under the rug. It's good that these things get exposed. So if he's guilty of something, I'll, you know, put his balls to the wall, excuse my French. But these things in the last decade, right? And, you know, it's okay to look at someone's behavior in the court of public opinion. The guy strained his life out. He pretty much said, I used to be a monster. When he said I was very promiscuous, Okay, maybe he didn't go into detail, but, you know, heavily drug-infueled stuff. He's no longer does drugs. Nobody says he's relapsed. He's got a stable marriage. So if it's all true, what then? Nope, we got to go back 10 years. He's completely straightened his life out. Whether he went to jail or not, he put himself in a prison. He completely apologized to that woman. Hopefully, I can make it up to you someday. Like Kavanaugh never denied, ah, I had some beers. I didn't do nothing. They all denied it. He pretty much admitted generally that he was kind of a monster. And can I mention one thing just to kind of enlarge the point of view a little bit? I remember back in the day, Eldridge Cleaver, who wound up Wondering, I, I saw something recently that maybe he was some kind of asset for the government eventually, and he wound up supporting Reagan. But, okay, back in the day when he was a Black Panther, he spent like, I don't know how long, 20 years, decades uh, in prison for serial rape. And he did them. He didn't deny it. He was guilty. And he wrote Soul on Ice, a New York Times bestseller. I remember seeing recently, I don't remember it from back in the day. I was a kid. I probably saw it coming home from school or I don't know. William F. Buckley on Firing Line, who was a white supremacist. I mean, he was. Now, he wasn't racist per se. <laughs> he sounds strange, but but he was. He thought that, yeah, we we, we white folks are going to go to college to get the PhDs. You guys stick to basketball and others. He was a white supremacist, William F. Buckley. But he wanted to, of course, intellectualize conservative movement, et cetera, et cetera. So here he is on firing line with a very... I think you're breaking up a little bit, Lance. Sadly, 
very white crowd, right? But mostly, uh, uh, but young crowd, like mostly. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. So here he is with Eldridge Cleaver, who was a serial rapist who wrote a book, and now he's done his time, and he was allowed to read you know, rejoin polite society, even with a white supremacist guy like William F. Buckley on his show. And here's William F. Buckley's question. Uh, so, Mr. Cleaver, your thesis is that uh, after 400 years of the white man being the enemy, you should be out trying to kill every white person you see. And that was a rhetorical argument that Eldridge Cleaver made. It's like, yeah, you know, we have wars against our enemies, Hitler. You know, the Japanese, well, white man been my enemy, so why shouldn't I want to kill all white people? And a very polite crowd. This wasn't Fox News, right? And there's a polite crowd listening to a white supremacist talk about uh, to a, you know, a, a Black Panther who is a known, admitted serial rapist talking about whether he should want to go out and kill white people. And I'm just saying, I'm sorry, it's just sad to have grown up when that was possible and to think of where we are now with what we're doing to Russell Brand or a lot of other people, you know, and it's like, if he's a monster, if he's a Harvey Weinstein, if he does, if he denied it and didn't straighten his life out, yeah, balls to the wall. But look at what they're getting out of this. The people that did this, the reporters, there's no, not going to be any legal ramifications. There's no civil suit going. They approached the women and here we are talking about it. They won just for the fact that we're talking about it instead of saying, this is bullshit. Let's wait for more evidence. Let's, and, you know, anyway. Well, no, I, different... I, I, no, I said that, man. Said no, 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 I'm not saying you. Oh, no, no, I'm not yeah. saying you're not saying that. You said it many times that this sounds like a smear job. Absolutely. No, I don't mean that we shouldn't talk about it because that's, I would be talking about it if I had a show because we have to now. No, I don't mean that it's wrong. It's wrong that we have to, not that we do. Because it is important. You do not do, you know, gossipy stuff. I don't mean that to, for a second. It is important to talk about because that's where we are now, where we have to. But back in the day, it's like you could be a serial rapist who did your time in prison and nobody's like, oh, my God, the far right family values type, which there were a lot of them then. Oh, my God, how could Buckley have this, this guy that we went to jail for rape? It's like now... Even Russell Brand changing his lifestyle all around, even if all this stuff is pretty much true, not about rape charges, but, and if they were raping, they never went to, 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 to prosecute him. Maybe it wasn't rape. And it does sound like he didn't admit to rape, but about not using a condom. Anyway, it just seems like we're in a very different place for all of this tolerance for sex and genders and ideologies. It's like, no, you can never. Your skeletons are following you for the rest of your life now, whether you went to jail or not, whether you turned your life around and don't do a drink and have a stable marriage like well, Russell Brand. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to interrupt there. He has not gone to jail. I, I think you're making a comparison with people who, you know, were found guilty and they served their time. He he has not gone to, to jail or anything. So I, I think there, there's a difference here uh, in, in reference to that. So the thing is, is I, like I said, I, you know, some people in the space do know Russell, Russell Brand. Some people have met him and, and those types of things. I don't know, you know, what their opinion could be. We all have, like, like I said, people have a past and those types of things. But what I'm saying is what's happening to Russell Brand, like, it's not like it hasn't happened before. And when you say that, you know, that he cleaned up his life and and all those things that's really great that's great that he's you know he's not um he's 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 fought through his addiction and stuff like that because i know he's talked about that oftentimes as well 
What I do want you to understand though, is that it is not uncommon in this country for particularly now compare Russell Bland, Brand to a black man. We have to, let's compare Russell Bland, uh, Brand to Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors was also accused. There was no evidence. There was no charge of, he wasn't officially charged, right? But Jonathan Majors immediately lost like his endorsements. He lost his manager. He was dropped from, because he's part of Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was dropped. All these things were taken away from him immediately. And the majority of the people in the media were heavily smearing him, just like Russell Brand. Then it comes to find out, because JB and I covered this story. Then it comes to find out that the girl that said that his ex-girlfriend or whoever she was, that said that he hit her, he physically hit her, there was actually video evidence of her at the club showing that he actually never did hit her. In fact, she hurt herself. But what I'm trying to point out is that nobody was saying, oh, Jonathan Majors, he had this life in the past, but look at where he is now. None of that mattered because Jonathan Majors was a black man. They didn't care about that. He was already considered guilty in the public eye, in the media, in the press. So what I'm trying to tell you is someone like Russell Brand has a better chance of coming out on top of this than someone like Jonathan Majors. And with Jonathan Majors, there's video evidence. Video evidence. And they still were coming after him. Well, yeah, that's terrible. But that, that you know, I'm not saying that. You know, yeah, and of course, if you're someone who's a marginalized group that does something versus if you're white and you're going to get the white privilege, I mean, I'm not denying any of that. I'm just saying that, you know, what, in other words, if, if other than rape, if there's some new rape allegations, then, then Russell Brand should go to jail. They should suspend the statute of limitations, put the mother in jail. But all this stuff was like litigated. There was rape crisis centers. There was a stuff got involved. And he did turn his life around. So whatever happened to other people that's horrible doesn't make anything better. It's horrible when it happens to people that are. are, are, are. So you're so are you saying that because he turned his life around, he shouldn't be held accountable if he's guilty? No, I just said that if, if there's a new charge a credible rape that he raped a woman and there's credible evidence no matter then they should do what they did and like i'm saying suspend the statute of limitations put his ball to the wall and put russell brand in jail for as many decades as he needs to go away what i'm saying is it has been litigated there was a rape crisis people involved now does that mean that these women were too afraid to come forward because of like the fame thing maybe i'm not saying what should happen to russell brand i'm saying that right now we don't have any of that. He said it was all consensual. And if you really read that text or listen to it, somebody said it might have been altered. I don't know. Let's assume it wasn't. And yeah, it I, I just I no, discussed no, that. No. I, I did mention that earlier tonight that he said it was all consensual. But I think that the thing is, is, is this. We really don't right at this point in time. We really don't know. We really right. don't. And that's why I said, like, we need to be respectful of those who have been victims and we be, need to be respectful of those who have been falsely accused. Right now, we really do not know. 
Well, I know, but the, the, the thing I'm saying is that this didn't happen last year or two years ago. Not that, again, let me say it again. If he's guilty and there's a new charge of things that we don't know that have not been litigated, say, with the rape crisis center that was involved before, throw Russell Brand in jail for as long as he needs to go. What I'm saying is it just seems to me that these women would decided not to pursue it legally. They could have sued him and said, my God damn it, I'm going to sue him because I'm at least going to get the money saying even if I can't put him in jail, number two. Number three, they stayed silent for all these years. Now it perfectly legit. You look at Christy Blasey Ford and you look at Tara Reid who was continually talking about this. It's like, oh my God, Kavanaugh's going to make decisions on abortion. He's this famous big shot SCOTUS guy. I'm going to come forward after all these years and I'm going to speak my mind. That's, even if she was approached by people to do that, I understand that. But these women had left it alone. They were okay yeah. to... And well, no, well, no, well, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. Know, Something I, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something I do got to say, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I get that. But first thing, first thing first, Christine Blasio Floyd at that point in time was a minor from what I understand. This is when they, they were in high school. Uh, the other thing in reference to the number of years to mention tonight when I covered that story, this investigation has been going on for years. So just to see, why are we just now hearing about it? So yeah, I do question the timing. I think that's that's suspect. I think that's suspicious. However, a victim can come forward when they feel comfortable in doing so. Do I think that the press was trying to find something about Russell Brand? Absolutely. They were digging. They were trying to find something. But I want to be very clear here. A victim can come forward when they are ready to. And in the case, if the victim is a minor, there is no statute of limitation when it comes to children. That is very important for people to understand because children cannot consent. But but none of these women so, came forward. None of them. None of them came forward in the way that Christy Blasey Ford or or uh, Tara Reid has in this when Joe Biden became more and more famous. None of these women came forward. We're, we keep to seem missing that. I just most, don't. But most. But what I'm saying, Lance, is this: most victims of sexual assault do not report it. Most sexual assault incidents are not reported. These were reported for fear. These women went to a huh? rape crisis center. They did report it at the time. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not, no, 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 no. There's a difference between going to a rape crisis center and getting tested and filing a police report. Well, I know, but, you know, in other words, you can read it both ways, I guess, and say, well, these women, they were afraid he was too famous, all these reasons. Therefore, what? That it must have been true. Or maybe they said, you know what? I put myself in the situation, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And so whatever reason they had, you know, so in other words, I guess what, what you're saying is that he didn't go to jail. He didn't do this stuff. So now we get to bring up 10 year old stuff that had been dormant, no, except no, for these reporters. That's, that's not, that's but not it was dormant, except for these reporters. You know, it was only these reporters who they said for years, they admitted, we've been trying to go after this guy basically for a few years. Finally, we got enough people on the record to, to try to ruin his life in retrospect. And that's all I think is happening. Yeah, no, I think, again, like I said, I question the timing of it. I do think that, yes, they are trying to come after Russell Brand. I do think that. I'm not saying that those things did not happen. I'm not saying they didn't seek out information about Russell Brand to try to, like, take him down. I'm not saying that at all. 
But I just want to be very clear with the audience because I don't want people to have this assumption that if this something like this happened a couple years ago or whatever, then you as a victim should just stay silent and never say anything. So that's why I had to to interrupt and say right. that because I don't want anyone to ever leave with that, no, that I impression. You got a lot of callers. If I could make one less 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 brief point, it would be this. Um, just that Camille Paglia pointed this out. You know, she's famous for saying the feminists hate me and I hate them. And she's a radical lesbian feminist. I adore her, even though I disagree with her about a lot. She's a libertarian, blah, blah, blah. But she's just her own mind. She said, look, when you go into that world, these are eccentric people. Now, wait, does that mean the casting house shouldn't be ended? No. Does it mean that a woman who from the time that she gets to be a starlet at 16, no matter how sexual, sexy she is, I'm never doing nude scenes. Nobody calls her a prude. So no, I do not mean, oh, you know, it's Hollywood. It's the casting couch. Absolutely not. And I'm so glad that you have a legitimate Me Too that isn't just a, you know, let's scorch people we don't like and, you know, give excuse. No. But yes, I'm glad it's not like the old days per se, where the casting couch might still exist, but at least we're calling it out. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what Camille Paglia pointed out, these are people who by nature, they go to the extreme, not just drugs and any of that. They can be straight, but they're going to the extreme. Some people do do news. They're, 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 they're eccentric, edgy people. They're not accountants in a cubicle. Does that? And again, let me be clear on that doesn't mean that it excuses everything. But when you say, oh, Russell Brand, this guy that's really drug fueled and really known to be promiscuous, everybody knows about Russell Brand. And you put yourself in the situation. If the motherfucker's guilty, put Russell Brand in jail. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when you involve yourself in that world and you're going with a bunch of carnival freaks or you're going with a bunch, if you're a jazz musician and you're attempted to be drinking and, and doing drugs, and maybe you got to be a studio musician because you're in that lifestyle of four in the, four in the morning, lots of drug, drug fueled, you know, jazz and, and heroin and promiscuity. So all I'm saying is that these people in that world, you know, it, it, no, that doesn't mean any goes, but you know, you got to judge like when in Rome do was the Roman. So it's a little different than if he was Senator Russell Brand, who had a lot of booze in his office, who got young interns in there at 16, was a family values guy and used to chase people around his Senate office. That would be very different. But let's just not real. Wait, let's realize that the world. Saying, of Hollywood are you saying so that because he was in the, you know, because he has a band, too, because he was in that musical like entertainment world and they were doing drugs and drinking. Are you what are you saying? I'm saying that if you're the 16 year old and you're of a legal limit in England and you know what Russell Brand now, if Russell Brand said, I'm a schoolboy and I just want to date you. And then he got this 16 year old something, put his balls to the wall now. OK, I don't care about the legal legal limit in England. But if she was a sexually you know, active person who knew that Russell Brand was a party guy at 16 and went with a guy. First of all, did he know she was 60? Did he know? Did she know he was 31? Maybe he acted. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Lance, Lance, I'm sorry. Let me go. ahead. I'm saying we don't have a right to judge. Lance, I don't have a right to judge. I don't think anybody Lance, has a right to judge. Lance, let me go ahead and debunk that now. He knew she was 16 because in the article that I read, okay. he wanted he even he even prompted her okay. with a story to tell her parents okay. so that her parents would be okay with it. Okay, he absolutely. Knew she was 16. Okay. Okay. Then what about this what about the, the British government who allows 16 year olds to make those decisions? So they're all scumbags. Wait a minute, I'm just wait a minute, saying, Lance. 
Lance, listen, I don't agree with the British government making that decision, but what it sounds like to me, it sounds like you're trying to blame a 16-year-old no. for being no. coerced by a 31-year-old man. No, 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 I'm not saying that at all. Uh, you know, it's just like we don't have a right to judge. Suppose you're a father. You see, this is what I mean. I'm not trying to make any judgment call. I'm trying to paint like, Lance, let's just, let's why, is, why not ask this question, Lance? Why is a 31-year-old man looking at a 16 year old girl but if that's the leap you know no, you're so not yes no it's terrible it's terrible body you can't find no, anybody terrible. within your age group at 31 years old what does a 31 year old man have in common with a 16 year old girl right. that's terrible that's horrible and he did it 10 years ago and these people are now dredging up this stuff about russell brand so that now we can say therefore what like what should happen to him as a result of that that was a scummy thing and the way he you know went after the 16 year old i guess what i'm you know I, i'm just saying I, I don't have the right to judge me personally i'm not going to judge what a 31 year old man did with a legally legal 16 year old however scummy i think it might but be it sounds like and i get that but it sounds like you were you were willing to judge the 16 year old though no no here's what i'm saying if you're a father and all of a sudden now he's not a professor so i don't want to, let's say it's a I, I can't make the comparison because you know because he he was just like a he was like a 31 year old like uh like binging binging college kid so it isn't the same thing wait and it was scummy and all that lance your so profession I, wait a minute no. Wait, and that's your, bad. Your profession has nothing to do with this type of situation. Like you saying, like he wasn't a professor. Professors rape people too, Lance. Oh, I know. No, no. What I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're a 16 year old and you go to a senator's office and all of a sudden he's grooming you with drinks and have, and and chasing you around the desk, versus going into a nightclub situation with a guy who's a 31 year old party animal. Yes, I think your expectation. This is what Camille Paglia. But you know, Camille Paglia. You know what she was saying when she said this stuff? She's like, kick the motherfucker in the ball. She wants women to have agency. It's not coming from excusing anyone's behavior it's like listen ma'am you're 16 15 however old when you're old enough to know this stuff don't put yourself in situation with drug-fueled entertainers no, but no, who might no, do no, this no. Shit. no 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 stop it right you. there stop it right there lance i have to interrupt right there because again it sounds like you're blaming a 16 year old no. and i want to no. be very clear here i want to no. be very clear when i was 16 years old and i was in when i was in high school and I was in high school in North Carolina. So there are a lot of military bases in North Carolina. My dad was active duty military. The grown ass men who were in the military, who were single, used to try to pick up teenage girls at the fucking high school. Grown ass men. I had a problem with it then. I got a problem with it now. Okay, they, they did it at the high way. school. No, wait, wait, they hold on. Hold on, let me finish. Those girls were my friends when I was in high school. Not everybody had a father that was going to be there in the home. Not everybody had a father like mine who told me from a very early age, don't get mixed up with that shit. So you had these young girls dating these guys in the fucking military. These guys were grown ass men. Why are they going to, why are they going to pick up these young girls? So the thing, what I'm saying is, is this, when I would try to tell my friends, no, you should not do that. He's too old for you. Why not just try to date guys that are in our high school? What you have to understand is 
they didn't see what they were doing as wrong because they were so young and they had a 16 year old and a 15 year old mind. They didn't understand that that shit really wasn't appropriate for them to be trying to pick up them young girls. And not everybody got a father in the home to tell them that shit ain't cool. I understand that. that. That's also true with rich college girls. You cannot put that on that 16 year old girl. That's what I'm saying. But 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 Sabby, at Syracuse University, they have these purple lights. They're like street lights. They're called rape lights. And it's not because the hood is nearby. It's because there's a lot of date rape that goes on between co-eds. When drunk binge drinking, which isn't like when I used to go to parties till dawn, and it was partying and it was dancing. It wasn't binge drinking in two hours. It's different now. Okay. And these women would literally, because they didn't put coat checks in these bars. So these women would literally come out with essentially what looked like a bikini to bars and they would get super drunk and they had rape light, purple rape light. These aren't poor kids. These are upper middle class, like some of the richest, like Long Island, these rich girls who are also not taught of how to have agency. So they go to these bars and I was a cab driver by then. I didn't go to these bars anymore. You know, I grew up, okay. I wasn't trying to hang out at 30 something in the bars with, you know, college kids anymore. But these, but I was a cab driver. So I saw it and they'd come out from these bars with dressed like so skimpily and they would be super drunk and and they were getting date rape right and left. What you're saying is all these men are totally, they had purple rape lights because there were so many co-ed men that were get, that were doing, that were raping these women who were totally educated, who had all the education. You Lance, said these poor. Lance, so I, that so is, what I'm saying Lance, is, it's a culture. That is the fault of the men, not the fault of those women. I can't believe you would even come on here and say it's that It's the bullshit. fault of the university Why and the bar owners. I can't believe you come on here and say that bullshit. Talking about how they dressed and because they were drinking alcohol. Get the fuck out of here, Lance. Oh, my God. Don't ever come on here and say that shit to people again. I'm sorry, Sabby, but no, are you no, saying no. that if you're, you if you're a parent, if men. you're a parent, would you no. say to your child, no. get as drunk as you Lance. want and, and be as skimpily dressed as you want? Lance. You know what? Bye-bye. And I want to say this to my audience very clear. Don't you ever, ever sit up there and blame a woman because of how much she had to drink or what she had on. Noel, I think you were trying to uh, chime in. Go ahead. Um, It's a, a very heated set of circumstances and I understand, but I was going to say there is just, we have to always come back to the baseline that rape is an act of violence and power. And it is for whatever the reason <clears throat> that a person, be it male or female, may be under the age of consent or compromised in their capacity to actually give consent. This is still an act of one person or another preying upon another person. And to try and argue, you know, marginalization or diminishing factors because of the environment and the culture and this and that. And, you know, we've had parents who say, oh, don't wear that short skirt or girl, where are you going with that halter top on this and that. But that is an act to protect or give the child or the young lady or young man some information to help them try and negotiate the circumstance and not be vulnerable. But that no way excuses 
people who exploit and take advantage and violently take advantage of other people. There is just no way to try and argue that there's some mitigating circumstances because she was shantily clad and drunk. You know, it's still rape. Uh, thank you, Noel. Uh, we're going to go ahead and bring in Frank, and then I'll go to Ashura. What's up, Frank? Hi, Sammy. Hey, how are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I, I, I went, one thing I wanted to call in and say, uh, we, we, I, remember I told you about the Jumbo's Bar and Grill a few weeks ago? that uh, um, the city of Lakewood, which is the suburb to the west of Denver, um, was uh, being very racist in, in uh, going after uh, uh, a black grandmother uh, that owned that bar to try and put her out of business uh, so that they can gentrify the neighborhood. Well, she actually won her, her, her case. She did it pro se. Um, and it's a few circumstances that um, moved it was that uh, um, the Rocky Mountain National uh, NAACP um, did uh, um, had a press conference that put some public pressure on it. And um, um, my friend who's a city councilor in Lakewood and um, also put some pressure, but she was the only one on city council actually doing anything. And I, I also sent a bunch of uh, records requests in between the time of the hearing and and the sentencing, and um, and I asked for what because I never saw any evidence. I just saw a smear job. Um, you know, I they kept on saying, "Well, she she served uh, underage, you know, minors. She she uh, served intoxicated people. She you know she kept on you know saying these things that were tied." I say, "You can I have some um, evidence that uh, stated that uh, proves that." You know, she violated any of these things, any of the evidence at all, because I've seen none. And I kept doing that over and over. I did like 15 or more of them. And uh, I think that weighed in on the judge and that it, it shamed them to the point that um, they 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 did give, they gave her gave her a suspended sentence and they renewed her. They did renew her license the next day and they suspended her license of uh, saying that if she's caught doing it within the next six months, which they're going to go after her again, um, that she has, uh, they'll get her, give her a 45 day suspension, but uh, um, we're more than likely going to be suing the city of Lakewood for lack of due process because there's two, two methods of uh, um, suspending a license. One is uh, the regular route where you have a hearing and then make the decision they decided to use the emergency uh, suspension and they had to have evidence and they just proved they didn't. So um, she, she's back in business again. And, and, um, and um, I'm, I'm really happy that we actually got a, um, a W at least for the time being, and we have to watch out for the next six months, but. Um, that's, that's really good news. Like Frank, do you think yeah. she'd be willing to talk about what happened? Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Could you, I, could you I, try I, to put, put me in contact with her? Because I know a lot of times I talk about these stories where like the gentrification is happening, but this is actually a win. Yes. I'll email you. Um, I'll give you her um, email address. Um, 
and I'll give in that email I'll give you information. I'll also CC my uh, um, uh, the city council friend on there too. So um, yeah, if you want to interview her, that would be that would be great. I mean, it's we we have to celebrate W's. <laughs> we really do. Heard, we don't get them too often. I haven't heard <laughs> of many people that have actually won these things. So that would be a great a great story for people to hear and give people some inspiration. I think. Yeah, I've got some of it on my, um, some of the hearings on my, um, and, and also the sentence. I do have the full sentencing on, uh, on my uh, YouTube page and I've did, you know, tried recording, but I, it, the, the game that they played, they just did lies and smears. And I, it was a liquor license authority hearing. You know, I was thinking it, maximum two hours, probably about an hour at the most. No, they, they dragged the smear show on for eight hours and she, she actually sort of passed out. After at, at about four o'clock in the afternoon, it started at nine a.m. and no lunch. The hearing officer wouldn't even let all lunch, and she just they tried to wear her down with just with lies and smears. It was it was really bad. But um, yes, I will definitely uh, get you in touch with her. Uh, Tanisha Howard's her name. Thank yeah. you. Just email me. Yep, I'll do that. And um, and and you also you. you um, you mentioned uh, Trump um, and his Georgia. I'm I'm really hesitant about uh, what what they can do with that in that case because it's three years old and most statute of limitations on just about anything except really egregious crimes is two years. So the fraud he committed, um, you know, getting trying to get the Secretary of State to get more votes, um, that that's that's a two year statute. So I'm wondering. They really had to go after the bigger ones, like the treason and stuff like that. And like, I don't think they're going to get them on that. So. I don't know if it's the I, same in Georgia. It depends on the law in Georgia. We'd have to check, but yeah, I, ha I have not checked. But there's some. There's, it, it, it's all fishy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and 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 when when and one comment I'd like to make on Russell Brandt is is uh he he was re he really was real good at. at very skilled language use of language that he never really used lefty language or he never used writing language. So he, he, he did draw in people from both, you know, both lefties and righties that were, um, that liked him. But, um, I have yet, I haven't been able to read that, um, that article on him. Um, one I'm, I'm having to, uh, file an appeal, because um, I had a judge commit a long list of perjury to dismiss a case, so I've got to, I've got to appeal uh, perjury <laughs> because the, the our courts have collapsed. Um, so I've got that due on Thursday. But um, is yeah, it's, <laughs> um, he he was very skilled at not using you know specific buzzwords on the left and the or the right, and so he could draw in a, a larger audience, and that really does scare. Um, the aristocracy when he drawn in that big of an audience and why he was doing it. But I don't, I haven't been able to read that because I, the, um, the Google capture kept going and going and going. And I, I must've been too many people on the site or something. I never got through. So I'll, I'll try another, another day. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Frank. Okay. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Let's bring on. Oh, I said Ashura. I was going to go to Ashura. All right, Ashura, you're next. And then. Uh, hello, Sabrina. 
Hello, what's up? Uh, I didn't think you would be, you'd be doing a a call in tonight because I kind of um, CJ and the others were basically streaming, so I went and watched their show. So I just popped in, and when it was finished, I was like, "Let me see if Sabrina's on call." And I'm like, "Wow, she's on call on a Tuesday." Yeah, usually we'll do Tuesday or Thursday. It depends. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> when I came in on call, and I was like, what the fuck am I listening to? Lance rambling about, like, uh, it's the victim's fault over a guy who should have known that he was trying to um, date a 16-year-old girl. I'm, I'm like, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? Just end the call or something. Just say they're coming after him. You don't need to do what you're doing. Because I, ne- I didn't finish... Uh, I didn't finish watching your. Uh, I didn't. I've I've seen the corner. I've I've heard about it, but I've never heard about what what you said about tonight, because I had to go watch Due Dissidents. So I'm like, um, why does he not see that the fact that the this guy basically tried to date a 16 year old girl a problem? Well, I guess because the age of consent in the UK is 16, <laughs> so that's how some people are looking at it. But I mean, like. You know, it's just, again, like I said, like, what do you, I'm just thinking about this, man. Like, I'm like, she's 16. I'm like, she's not even 18. I mean, if she was 18, he was like 50. I was like, okay, but she's legal. But 16 is still a child. Very. So very much so. And I think that, um, you know, this, this has been a problem for quite some time. Um, we can talk about other musicians yeah. Um, as well, that um, have done this, and you know, I I never agreed with it. I never agreed with it, and because again, like I've worked with kids that age. Obviously, I've been sixteen, and I just know that their brains are not developed to that point to even deal with the just all of the complexities that come with that type of relationship with an adult your brains are not fully developed yet and i think that's important for people to really grasp because it just obviously yes you can be manipulated and i'm not saying that russell brand did this i don't know but you can it's easier to manipulate someone who's 16 versus someone 27 if that makes sense yeah yeah i heard about a 16 year old i think it was from kid uh i I was i was like they couldn't find some other shit that go after him without the 16 year old shit. Like, uh, did you ever see the video of Russell Brand just kissing a woman that was doing an interview live? She was doing an interview live. She just smacked it. Like just kissed on on the cheeks, like tongue and tongue and shit. No, I, I never saw that. Yeah. I I thought they were going to use that against him. Like, since they were basically looking for women who claimed that they got sexual assaulted or basically he, he, he came into their space and just groped her or some shit, I thought they were going to use that one. Because I was waiting for them, for, them, for them to use that video. That's... Okay, that's interesting that you brought that up. But no, I, I never saw that. I mean, guys in the chat, if you saw that, let me know. But I, I never saw that video. I think it was in the either in the UK or in the US. One of those. The reporter was basically saying something on a microphone, and then Russell Brand just walked in and just grabbed her. It's just like that picture of uh, of the the war where you see the two people kissing, 
And in reality, basically the guy just walked in and just kissed a nurse. It's that it's that classic picture of just coming home from the from the army, the navy. You've seen that picture, right? That black and white picture. Yeah, that picture is iconic. Yeah, that yeah, it's iconic. But in reality, it was it's, they didn't even know know each other. Like the guy just just went into her space and just did that. That's the same thing Russell Brand did. And I thought they're gonna basically use that, and then I heard this story. Oh, that's interesting. That is that is interesting. I just. Yeah, I mean, like, again, we don't know if he's guilty or not. We we really don't know. Um, we'll, we'll just have to wait to find out. And yeah, I do think he was talking about it. He said that he said it in a joke when he was talking about what? Uh, something he did during his uh, sex campaigns when he when he was younger. And he either said it as a joke on standby or on stand up, or he wrote it in a book. And CJ said that he gave them a roadmap to come after him. So here's one thing I will say: um, I know Russell Brand has been very vocal yeah. about like his his battle with addiction and his his life and stuff like that. Yeah. And I personally would not have been that detailed about my private life. Um, I think everybody needs some type of privacy. I know he's a celebrity, but he went into a lot about his past. And I'm starting to wonder now that you just said that, I'm starting to wonder if that's what opened up the door for them to to try to reach out to people. Yeah, because uh, it's a no-brainer that he's, he he was a sex addict. He was a drinker. I mean, like, why are you coming after him now for that shit? That's, op- that's an open book. Everybody knows. And I don't know, like... Um, when they say uh, an account has been suspended, do you, do you mean like terminated permanently or it's on pause or some shit? No. So I talked about this tonight. Like he's suspended from demonetization. So what that means is that his channel will still have ad revenue, but YouTube will he get it. will not be able to actually collect any of that ad revenue youtube will collect all the money so he can't make any money off of his youtube channel and i'm saying it this way because i want people to understand that you can still have ads on your youtube channel but that doesn't mean you're actually receiving the revenue and this has happened to um other creators as well yeah like jackson hankel first they they demonetized his channel and then they went after the super chats and they completely demonetized it so i'm wondering if that's where they're going now they're going to suspend him, make sure he doesn't get the ad revenue, and then they're going to come for the Super Chats and completely demonetize him. I think eventually they're probably going to pull that entire channel. Yeah. The problem is, and, and this is the question that I have, and if anybody knows, let me know. But the question that I have is this. What are the rules in reference to having a YouTube channel? Because the thing is, they're saying that he violated not their community guidelines, but their, I guess, uh, I guess their their in- integrity, like like his behavior off of YouTube. So, which by the way, I've never seen this written down, and I've read YouTube guidelines every year. I've never seen this. So, basically, what they're saying is is that what you do off of YouTube can impact whether or not you actually are allowed to receive any type of revenue on YouTube or even have a channel to exist. And so what does that say for people who may have been convicted of a crime, but they redeem themselves and they serve their time 
Are they never allowed to be on YouTube? So these are things I think that YouTube needs to make very clear to people because it just they can go after any creator's past and just basically be like, oh, okay, well, this person said, I wonder if they got pressure from government agencies or if they got pressure from other organizations that said, hey, this guy should, you know, we got a problem with him being on YouTube. Now this come out and stuff like that. But again, like he has not been convicted. He has not been charged with an official crime. He is just accused at this point in time, but they already have decided to remove the revenue from him just from being accused. Yeah, because it seems like they're trying to say now anything you do on the outside outside youtube we if we hear about it we're taking away your channel that's exactly what it sounds like and what else does that remind you of that kind of reminds me of people that have been fired from the workplace because of something that happened outside of the workplace yeah like and, and those things can happen i know a friend that was fired i don't know if i ever told you guys a story i know a friend a friend of mine he was fired so he got a dui he was not on the job he was driving home from a bar. He got DUI. It got back to his employer because he called one of his friends who just happened to be a coworker and asked them, hey, can you come pick me up? Like they brought me in, like I got a DUI, that kind of thing. Well, word travels fast, huh? Especially down South. And this is when I was in South Carolina. So word <laughs> traveled fast. It got back to his supervisor. The next day when he came into work, they told him he was fired. And when he asked why, they were just like, we can't have people drinking, drinking and driving. And he was like, that, first of all, that was like on the weekend. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and he, by the way, he was in a management position, a management position, and they fired him. He had an engineering, he had an engineering job. He was an engineer. He was doing really well for himself. Next thing I knew, he was working at Chili's. Wow. Yeah, you think the coworker ran him out? I mean, there aren't that many opportunities in Columbia, South Carolina, to be honest with you. That's one of the reasons why I left, other than the fact that that place is a shithole. <laughs> but other than fact, no, I mean, it's in, in terms of like for young professionals, it's not a fun place to be. Like when I was there as a college student, it was fun because we did a lot of things on campus. But after that, it's just, it's kind of boring. Like it's not much to do. So the thing is, I think that, um, you know, after that, it was just like, it's, it can't be easy to get a professional job if you have an active DUI. Hmm. Yeah, on the Obama thing, <laughs> I, I saw one video, uh, the one in the one that you showed the one with the, sla the, the slaves that were basically standing there. That's the one video I saw. But I was shocked by the other video clips that you put on. And that woman, Man, it looked like she 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 saw saw a ghost. No, she like somebody she saw a ghost or some shit. Like uh she saw the vision of her ancestor. She was like shocked. And I'm like, CNN, why you why you let her into that fucking shit? Like, did you want to traumatize this woman? <laughs> I mean, come on, really. She looked like she she saw a ghost, like she saw her ancestors right on that fucking thing. And I'm like, this is what this is what happened to Libya. You basically went and you killed Gaddafi. Just to, you know, let some warlords run roughshod in the country so you think you can control it. You know what's funny about that story? I wonder if it wasn't, if the U U.S. actually fucking fired and killed those Americans and then they bl blamed it on Gaddafi. Mm. I mean, it's not the first time you've heard friendly fire. You know, what was that soldier? I think it was, was it during the Trump years? Like some, some soldier got shot 
and they didn't want to say who shot him. They said, oh, he got shot by somebody, by the insurgent. Turns out it was friendly fire. It was the French that shot him. Patrick Tillman. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) come on. Like, obviously, the United States must have been the one that basically did it. And they basically, the Rockets just killed uh, their sides. And they basically wanted to blame somebody. And it was the perfect opportunity to come into come into uh, Libya. It's That's right. And it, it, was, it was shocking to hear what this guy was doing in Libya, uh, Gaddafi. He gave them clean water. He gave them health care. I mean, he was doing a bunch of shit. And then they they killed this guy because he wanted to do the same thing what's uh, Putin doing with the uh, Xi Jinping, like a BRICS. This was the BRICS for, for, for Africans. And they yeah. killed him. They don't want that message to spread and this is the thing you know with the u.s government they don't want that message to get out because they don't want americans to start hearing about it saying oh wait a minute people in this country are they've been given clean water and health care maybe i might move there you know more americans have been leaving the united states you guys more americans have been moving to like you, you guys know nico moved to brazil uh months ago yeah. like more americans have been moving to places like brazil singapore by the way apparently has been really good for american uh expats like more people are leaving the United States and they're moving to these countries where they don't have to deal with these issues. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I was watching a video and I don't know if this woman was Haitian. She was, she was pulling some bullshit. I thought I was basically, she was, she thought she, she must've uh, saw the movie black Panther. She said yeah. that Haitians, Haitians basically have some kind of media or uh, some kind of media that hit Haiti a couple of years ago. And that's why the U.S. wants to be in Haiti that much because there's a mineral in Haiti that I've never heard about. Somehow it's a deep secret thing. Only this woman knew about it. And I haven't seen Black Panther since in Haiti. What was the Haitian Black Panther? I have never seen him. <laughs> I'm like, no, bitch. I'm like, this This is clearly you're telling me you watch Black Panther just because of a meteor that struck Haiti. And somehow we never got a black Haitian Black Panther. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, these these are all really things, you know, I I think, uh, by the way, you guys, I forgot to mention, um, Obama got a lot of backlash for that tweet. Oh, I was going to mention that. Yeah, like, (laughs) how are you basically going to put your fucking own little organization in that (laughs) I mean, you're the one who fucked it up. And then you had that shit, like, when he was debating with uh, Mitt Romney. I mean, I, I agree with you, Sabrina. Mitt Romney was the weakest fucking candidate they had. <laughs> they should have basically put Trump there instead. Um, Mitt Romney, Eric, you know, Eric, you know Mitt Romney was our governor of Massachusetts. Like, Mitt Romney is, uh, I don't know how to explain it. He's, uh... Milk toast? Even worse than milk toes. Go ahead, Eric. Burn toast. Oh, I think go you're ahead, looking Eric. for country club. <laughs> he's, just, he's such a weird like. I, I, I think I think you're looking. For, I think you're looking for the words uh, "town and country" Republican. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why did you pick this guy to run? Like, you couldn't pick what was that? Uh, Paul Ryan instead. Paul Ryan, he from what I remember. Eric, feel free to correct me. But Paul Ryan, what was that, Roger? The running mate. 
Yeah, yeah, he, he was. was I mean, yeah. You should have just made, switched places. Well, Paul Ryan, they basically, last I heard, they pretty much blackballed him, right? Well, I, I, I knew he left after the whole, uh, what was it, the Freedom Caucus? Not a Freedom Caucus, like the, what are those guys called? The one that they, the Justice Democrats were named at, well, they wanted to be named after. The Young Guns? Yeah, the Tea Party. Yeah, they basically ran him out <laughs> and and John Bader, which is funny, which is like, yo, they, why is it that the right can basically show you they can do shit, the left can't do it? I mean, you got right now, McCarthy is having a fucking nightmare with Matt Gates, literally crapping on him on the floor. They watched and learned? Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> I mean, Paul Ryan went out and went and made money. There you go. I think yeah. he went back into the private sector. Yeah, Mitch Romney was just, yeah, like a country club Republican in a nice suit. <laughs> but isn't he, isn't he, isn't he like uh, one of the guys running Fox News, uh, a board member, I think? Who, Paul Ryan? Yeah. Let me see. I'm th- yeah, I think one of them went to the tobacco company, and one of them is probably on, in, on Fox yeah, News. Yeah, they all go get paid, yeah. You know, it's all revolving door, back and forth. Remember they thought that uh, the right like Rush Limbaugh and all them tried to make it seem as if they coordinated the um the the uh the Batman movie where he was fighting Bane <laughs> as as a plot to undermine the Republicans, not realizing that Bane was created in the early nineties when he broke Batman's back after I'm, tracking him. I mean if you if, know if, what if, I mean? if, if, if they're gonna if use Batman if they're going to use that Batman movie as an analogy, that is the worst Batman movie there is. No, no, but you see, remember, it was because he had Bane Capital. <laughs> that was that was Romney's thing, a private equity oh, company yeah, yeah, called Bane that. Capital. And and Batman, what what was that? The Dark Knight? I don't know what movie that was. Where the they Dark Knight Rising. The Dark Knight Rising. It says, okay. it says, Paul Ryan is currently a professor at the University of Notre Dame and serves on the boards of several consulting and management companies. Okay. I heard he was on Fox News at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I, that that might have passed already, but he was kind of like, like you said, they basically kicked him out. They're like, yeah, you got to go. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like the squad is wishing they can do what the fuck Matt Gates is doing right now. And Jake Uger on Brianna Joy Gray. Man, the amount of lies this guy was saying. Like, he has Jimmy on the brain. He lied and lied and lied. There's a point where this is this clip. I cannot fucking not remember it. Every time when Jimmy was talking about the force of old shit, there's a point where Jimmy is almost crying, tells gently, I don't want, I don't want to have any animosity between us, man. We'll, we'll forgive and forget. You want this movement? You can have it. You can have it. And Jake didn't give a fuck. Every single one didn't give a fuck. And then, then Jenk said that it was like Jimmy Dore just attacked him out of nowhere. It was Anna Kasparian that attacked Jimmy Dore. And then Jenk followed followed right after. But for a week, they all said there was a good idea. And then for some fucking reason... And some phone calls got made, right? Yeah, and all the, everybody was in lockstep. And now, and now what, would, what, what do the Republicans do? They just take your ideas and then they're, march, they're marching in and giving uh, McCarthy a hell of a nightmare. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. That, that all, I think that is also more theater. You know, I, I think it's it's a mistake to to view these parties as as anything but a uniparty, and it's all just intra-fighting theatrics. 
And the real thing that's happening is they're working for, you know, the big money and um, not working for any of us, right? Sabrina, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but every time I saw, saw that, I kept, I couldn't stop laughing at, at Jank. I, I felt like, I just kept thinking of a gorilla beating his chest, like, ooh, 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 oh, Jimmy, 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 oh, do, 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 do. you know how gorillas be beating their chest? I mean, it's kind of funny, though. Finally, CJ figured out Jenks' tell when he's about to fucking lie. He, he has a thing where he puckers his lips. That's when you know he's caught, and then he, he goes to tell a lie. Right there, he just lied and lied and lied. And I'm like, and then he pulls that last dig at Brianna Joy Gray. You got you got a fucking expensive car. You live in a mansion or some shit like that. I'm like, bro, you're talking about yourself. And funny part, he says, I paid the cat's money off. I'm like, really? You paid the $20 million, $20 million off. When did you get the money? Yeah, probably because he got more from other billionaires. Because <laughs> nah, it makes no fucking sense. Because he clearly said it was an investment. There's the fucking clip out where he literally says he's getting it's an investment, $20 million. Then he, he calls it a loan now. It was a loan. So where'd you get the $20 million to pay it back? Makes no fucking shit. No, no, no fucking sense whatsoever. That's a good point, Ashura. Where did the money come from to pay that loan back? I don't know about you guys, but I haven't made $20 million. I don't think I ever will in my lifetime. So that is a really good question. It's a question would be like, could TYT be making that much money? You know, is it is it a money-making enterprise? I don't, I don't honestly know the answer. I never knew exactly how this $20 million was paid off. Is it like $5 million a year? I don't know. I don't know, but it was probably like a business. You know, it was it was like a, a business investment. You know, they were an investment in investing in the network as a business enterprise, and then in theory, the network is is a profitable business and makes a whole bunch of money, and then you pay the loan back, and everybody makes money. I guess is the the theory. And to finish my thoughts, Sabrina, the thing that happened with the Cornell West at the rally. Do you think it hurt him there because you got the two shills came on, AOC and Jamal Bowman? I feel like they basically took the thunder that was supposed to be Cornell West's thing. No one even saw Cornell. Mm. And basically, they they kept talking. That at some point, I think they watch your their shows, Sabrina. I think they watch your show. They watch RBN. They were talking like as if they were RBN members on stage. No, we we would have been a lot more. Uh a lot more harsher than that. Um, I, I think because first of all, we would have been talking about the military industrial complex. We wouldn't have just been focusing on fossil fuels. And if we were bringing up fossil fuels, we'd have bring up multiple pipelines that have been, you know, caused problems in those communities like line three. And we would have brought up standing rock. We would have brought up, you know, the pipelines going through uh, Appalachia. We would have brought up Flint, Michigan. We would have brought up all those things. And, but more so we would have been focused on the military industrial complex. So that is the difference. But then two, um, one of the things I mentioned tonight, one of the girls who was one of the organizers, she did tweet out, she's, I guess she's, she's running for office of the Green Party, um, but she tweeted out that AOC was not invited. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that part. Yeah, so she basically did, like to JB's point, she basically did what Cori Bush did with the March for Medicare for All where Corey Bush just kind of showed up and did an impromptu speech where she was not one of the speakers. And then afterwards, I don't know what AOC did, but afterwards, Corey Bush complained and let us know that they weren't uh, happy about us doing those marches, that they were mad about it as if we're supposed to follow their fucking lead. That's how I knew, that's what I knew. 
Uh, did you like do the- AOC rushed the mic. <laughs> did you do the uh, Jamal Bowman segment? Because I'm pretty sure it looked like he. I don't know if he said that the military industrial complex was the biggest polluter there is. It seems like he said something around those lines. I was watching it on the CJ part. I wonder if you caught that part itself. I th- it's, it's all a game. I thought I had that video, but then I, I went back to my email and I, I didn't have it. I thought I had sent that email to myself, but I didn't. But the thing is, is again, like they know not to go too far because they can't say the things that like we say on RBN in reference to the MIC because they voted for those things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what they do is they have this is the the version of opposition that's allowed. And so you have AOC and Jamal Bowman, the fake opposition, saying these things that sound kind of oppositional, but they're fake. They never really challenge power. And that acts as a blocker from like the real opposition, like uh like an RBN or a savvy. And so you know what I mean? It's like a blocker. Right, but they'll yeah. never go as far as we do. Because they even they have their limitations in order to keep their seat. So I think. Right. I I think the thing is, too, like in reference to do I think that hurt Cornell West? No, I don't. Um, You know, I, I don't think a lot of people didn't even pay attention to it. I think what is hurting Cornell West is the people with with the smears. Like, you know, what's really interesting to me is like the people who were saying, oh no, Democrats are infiltrating. You can't work with them and stuff. And I have my criticisms. Trust me, I do. For the, but the same people that were complaining, they were just like, there's Democrats at this rally. This was just a DNC thing and it's not worth being a part of or being involved or anything at all. Well, it kind of is starting to feel like, and I was talking to Eric about this as well. It's kind of starting to feel like the people that people want us to work with is getting smaller and smaller when it comes to these urgent issues in this country. It's starting to feel like that it was okay, people were okay with leftists, and I I went to the Rage Against the War Machine rally and I covered it. People were okay with leftists doing that. Yeah, it's okay to organize with libertarians and some of the right-wing Republicans uh, that were present because this is about war. People, the some of the people who were okay with that are not okay with Cornel West being at that rally that just happened. So what's this really about? And this is why I said, people, we got to start using our own brains to think it for ourselves. Because I've seen this shit happen through the past couple of months where it seems like more people, people seem to be more accepting of you. Will it being willing to work with libertarians and people who are Republican when it comes to certain issues, but they will tell you that you are basically a sellout if you work with anybody who is even a former, former Democrat. And by the way, a lot of us are former Democrats. I want to remind everybody, I'm a former Democrat. If you voted for Bernie Sanders in 2020, guess what? You supported a Democrat. Even if you're not there now today, I voted for Barack Obama. I told you guys, a lot of people, a lot of you did. So what's funny is that now, like people are like, oh my God, you know, Peter Dow. And and I have my criticisms of Peter Dow. But for the people saying like, this guy worked on the Democrat campaign and now he's coming over here and you can't da da da. I'm like, y'all were the same people who were pushing back at 
you were you were pushing back at the people who were criticizing those of us who wanted to attend the Rage Against the War Machine rally, and you said we need to get along and come come together with all people. But what I've been noticing, even in the organizing spaces, it seems like come together with all people is come together with people on the right. They don't want you to come together with people who are either Democrats or even former fucking Democrats. They don't want you to have any communication with them. And uh -huh. honestly, like, this is something I've been noticing for a while. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's okay for us to go organize with libertarians. It's okay for us to organize with the Mises Caucus, who's been saying a lot of racist shit about black people on Twitter, by the way, the New Hampshire Libertarian fucking party, calling MLK names, calling, and I have many criticisms for Nina Turner, but for the New Hampshire Libertarian party, to call Nina Turner racist names, that shit is not fucking acceptable. Well, I, I heard Pasta say that uh, once they get a new leader, <laughs> they're going to change direction. I'm like, really? I don't think that's happening. Uh, yeah, and uh, I know I said finally, but this is going to be finally. Uh, what are you going to do to talk about Vapegate? Who? Vapegate. Uh, be, I, I don't know. I haven't figured out a name for it. I could have called it Beetlejuice Gate. You know what I'm talking about? There's a musical Beetlejuice and uh, Lauren Boebert got uh, kicked out. What? What? Beetlejuice the movie? No, Beetlejuice the uh, musical. Oh, Char Charlene is calling it Titty Gate. <laughs> Beetlejuice has a musical? Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. What about it? Uh, Lauren Boebert basically got kicked out. First she vaped, and then it got really sexual to the point where the guy started groping her, and what she do? She extends her hand and starts basically stroking him. Okay. I guess I just don't understand why that's news. Well, the <laughs> MSNBC was like, uh, Chris Hayes was like, well, I'm sorry to put you through this, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, well, this is what Lauren Borbett's doing. Though. She was vaping, and then you got the extra video of the, you know, she was, you know, doing some guy off. Like... And then apparently they got kicked out, I guess is the story. Yeah, they got kicked out. But I'm like, <laughs> Kyle Kalinske got into it, and he basically said some sexist shit by saying you should just stay stay and do hand jobs at the theater. Because she basically put a tweet and saying, hey, why are we losing $80 million on any eighty million dollar jet out of nowhere, and I'm like, wait, how do you lose a jet? Apparently, the guy ejected himself in the jet. I don't know. It's it's out of sight. They can't find it. But Kakolinsky got mad and he threw a sexist tweet at her just for that, for asking like, where? Why are you wasting money on a jet that you can't find? That's like eighty million dollars. I'm sorry, but that does it doesn't sound important. Like I just I I don't. I don't care if people are making out with people at the movies or whatever this was. Beetlejuice, I don't really care about that. <laughs> Apparently they did. Kyle Kalinske did. MSNBC did. I'm like, oh, just for... Excited, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like you're not even... You're contradicting what she's saying for an $80 million jet that just... I don't know why you can't find it. And why are jets $80 million? Why are people? I, don't, I guess I don't understand. Like, was somebody recording her? Yeah, no, it, it was on camera. Oh, so there was camera at there was a camera yeah, at the was, yeah, so oh, the okay. camera caught them basically her vaping, 
And then there's the extra layer of her, you know, giving a hand job. And Kakolinsky basically got offended by it because she put a tweet out said, why are we losing $80 million jet? I'm like, why does a jet cost $80 million? As far as the theater goes, I, that may not be the first time that's happened in a theater. I was about to say. Call me crazy. <laughs> that's why I'm just like, why is that news? I'm confused. People make out in the theater all the time. The no, issue they, is. They, they put it into the culture wars. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Noel. She's supposed to be such a family values candidate and this and that, da 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 da. And now she's caught in this compromising circumstance. And so, you know, they're trying to make, you know, fervor of it to bring her into focus in terms of the hypocrisy that she spews as she tries to be so, you know, this and thou in terms of her politics otherwise. But it turns out she's just as you know, corrupt, just like Trump, it's the same damn thing. But I think this situation, the situation with Russell Brand, these are all huge distractions because there are more real substantive issues that people need to be focused on in this world. And I just, you know, I just don't have any tolerance for it on either side because the bottom line is everything is still downward spiraling. We're still having all these serious issues and we just don't have time to focus on the minutia. And that's just the way I see the whole Russell Brand thing, the whole, you know, Lauren Bobert thing. It's just mess. It's just mess. Uh, what are your thoughts about the $80 million jet that's missing Noel? Like the fact that you can spend that much money on just a jet. But, you, so. but they've been spending million dollars on jets for a while now. And so, and think about the millions and millions of dollars that have been sent to Ukraine and in all these wars. So if there's an $80 million jet missing, yeah, it's something, but that doesn't rise to the level of the mismanagement that we see on a regular daily basis. So I'm saying everything is out of perspective. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's bring in, um, I'll come back, Ashura. Let's bring in Organize. Organize, you are on the mic. Can you unmute? What's up? Thanks for taking my call. Can everybody hear me? I can hear you. All right, thanks. Uh, yeah, so I did want to talk about the Russell Brand situation, uh, our headlining topic there. Um, it really is, the main point to that is that it, it is kind of tearing the community apart right now. And unfortunately, you can say that it's silly all you want, because it is, <laughs> you know, why should we care about what celebrities are doing? But it's more about the influence that he has and the the type of message that he was bringing to his audience. I think that's what's upsetting everyone right now is they feel like they're losing a really important resource. Um, one way or another, the people who feel like he's guilty feel like they're losing him. The people who feel like he's innocent feel like they're going to lose him because he's going to be deplatformed. Um, so it is a topic right now. And it's a serious one because we're talking about rape. So it's silly on the, it's a celebrity end, but it's not because it's rape. Um, we definitely need to take the accusers into account when we're having these discussions, especially if we're going to bring up things like Tara Reid, <laughs> because then we kind of go in circles. We can talk about how Me Too dropped everything and ran out of town as soon as Tara Reid came up. But we're going to use her to dismiss his accusers. 
it, it doesn't make sense. So I think at this point, it, the ball's in his court. We're waiting on him to bring this up because he was really quick to get on and preemptively tell everyone that this was going to come out. And the next day it came out. Now everyone's had a chance to see what it is and crickets. So maybe the lawyer told him not to go any further for now. And he's following that advice. Um, I guess like you're supposed to do, but if he's the guy you all think he is, he, he would handle it differently. Mm, this, I, I guess that's, them. that's really all I got on that so far. That's a really good point. I, I will say, I know sometimes with legal cases, lawyers will tell you that you can only speak on it so much. You can't go into too much detail because technically anything he would have said in that video, if he would have gone into more detail, it probably could be used against him. So that's usually why they tell you not to say anything. But sometimes that backfires, right? Like I told you guys before about what happened with Chris Brown and Rihanna. Uh, when Chris Brown had hit, he punched Rihanna in the face. I think you guys all remember that. Uh, Chris Brown came forward later in his own little documentary on Netflix. I watched this years ago where he said that people in the public were asking him, why didn't he speak up? Why didn't he talk about it or anything? And he said, because his attorneys told him not to, because it could be used against him. And he said he looks back on that and he wished he didn't make that mistake because he said saying staying silent actually just hurt him even more. And so, yeah, like sometimes that can backfire. And to this point, I want to remind everybody, remember when Jordan Sheraton was accused? How many people in the space remember that? Do, do you remember that, um, Ashura, when Jordan Sheraton was accused and, and Roger? Yeah. 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 It wasn't really that much of a, you know, Timothy interviewed interviewed the the accuser. Remember that when yeah, so you remember when the woman came forward and there mm -hmm. was at, at this point like a lot of people were deciding okay we do we turn our back on Jordan Sheridan and stuff like that and you know and then later on it was proven that that wasn't true like that kind of thing but I, I do remember at that point in time everybody was just ready to say fuck Jordan Sheridan I remember that. Well, I don't know if it was if it wasn't true, because she said that she he did <clears throat> basically perform oral sex on her that, that night, and then he quickly apologized that day. So I'm like, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, why quickly apologize? I don't know, but legally, it was cleared. So, that I do remember that. Legally, like, that was cleared, and that was, his name was cleared. I believe because the instance where he was apologizing, that was um, a situation where she was asking if she needed to get tested and saying that no means no. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was more than oral sex. No, 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 that's like Jordan Sheridan. I know we have to keep bringing up the condom, but, you know, it's like there's all these side issues. No, I think Ashura was talking about, that. I think Ashura was talking about Jordan. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about Russell. Yeah, because she, she she passed the question about the Jordan Sheridan thing. So I, I said that that's what happened that night. So to me, I, I've never I've never really uh, basically cleared him myself because it, his business partner had to be the one to clear him. But it's like it's your business partner. <clears throat> it's your business partner. So she had she also has a stake in it. So you could you could have given it to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, to, and, um, to really figure out or get to the bottom of any of these things, it really has to 
go to charges in, in court and potentially a trial. Because short of that, you really, you just end up in this muddle of, well, I don't know, it's sort of this or that, you know? And uh, by the way, Sabrina, I don't know if you're going to be watching Canadian news next week, this week or next week. Uh, apparently, Zelensky is coming to Canada to ask for more money. Yeah. Apparently, they're winning the war so much that they ask more money. Yeah, I heard about that. But the other thing I want to mention, too, about the Tara Reid and Joe Biden thing, let's all remember, Joe Biden was not held accountable in any way, shape or form. He wasn't penalized in any way, shape or form. So Russell Brand, like this is this whole thing with them making it so that he his channel can be demonetized, but he cannot receive any of that ad revenue. That's this is just the first step. I'm going to go ahead and warn you guys. That's the first step of penalization. There's going to be more things that follow. And so I think that that's the thing. Nothing happened to Joe Biden. Not one thing. And Tara Reid, I still remember people bringing this up. Tara Reid's mother called in to the Larry King show after it happened. Like, that's why when people said, why is she just bringing this up now? She wasn't bringing it up now. So I think that and the reason why she went to the press, they went to the press the way that they did was because Tara Reid reported it to Congress and they did nothing about it. And Joe Biden, again, remember, he wasn't a president at that time. He was a senator. And it just, of course, like they backed him. Go ahead, um, organize. Um. No, just aside from that, I wanted to kind of go back to when you guys were talking about AOC, um, because on a personal note, I'm up in New York, and if you support single-payer health care, obviously you support Medicare for all, but there's a state-based solution that we were going over back in 2021 uh, with the New York Health Act, and that would have brought single-payer health care to New York. Yep. Now, AOC, I know, is a, a federal representative, but she's still a resident of New York State. Her family's here. Friends are here. She represents people who live here who need health care. So you would think that she would have supported this bill. I can't find any evidence whatsoever of her supporting this. And it's, it's not even like she didn't have permission, per se, because back in 2017, Nancy Pelosi, when she was asked about Medicare for All, she said they're, you know, they're not really making too much progress at the federal level. She really thinks that people should support it at the state level. So theoretically, these Democrats have the ability to support these bills at the state level, but they won't. And then what happened when it came up, the Democrats in our state of the Assembly and the Senate, we had a majority and a Democrat governor and the... <laughs> representatives approached leadership and asked them to not bring the bill to the floor. So I think if it had some support, it probably would have gotten a lot further or we would have been able to shine a light on what happened to it. But this supposed supporter of single payer health care, resident of New York state, representative of New York residents didn't care and just left it. Um, I'm going to go to you because I know you were very passionate about the. Yeah. So, um, I would really love to know, I'm still trying to find out which 
assembly people and state senators went to uh, Senate Majority Leader um, Andrea Stewart Cousins and Speaker Heasty to tell them, please don't bring that up for a vote. Because the main... Like the like public sector... Um, the public sector unions, um, specifically the teachers union and the District Council 37, which is a, a municipal union in New York City, don't want it to pass. And they're big donors to the Democrat Party in, in um, Albany. Because pretty much, the, um, like I said before, the union leadership makes bank on, um, they because they, they own stock in private health insurance. So it's not really the private health insurance companies that we're fighting. It's the uh, public sector unions, uh, especially the, you know, like I said, District Council 37 and the teachers union, because they own stock in private health insurance. And by and so so what happens is they make bank selling it to their members and, you know, they put in all this propaganda and stuff like that about, oh, it's going to bankrupt the state. And, oh, we fought for these these benefits and you're just now going to give it to everybody. And, you know, and, and all that stuff. I mean, like, like I told you before, um, last year. Yeah, last year, you know, when I was on that, I, you know, I was able to uh, part of that uh, group. I was on, was it NIPAN? It's called New York Progressive Action Network. I was able to get myself into a Zoom meeting where they was, you know, uh, uh, talking to Chuck Schumer. And you know what I mean? And I blasted him for not, like, everybody else was laughing because they wanted to ask the same thing. And they he, he started coming up with a whole bunch of bullshit. And, oh, we're going to get Kataji Brown Jackson uh, appointed to the Supreme Court. And... I was like, yeah, that's all good and fine or whatever thing, but we need health act. And he's, like I said, he started, you know, like started going into a conniption fit. Uh, we we, we got to support uh, the Obamacare and blah, blah, blah. And people started typing in and blasting him. And he's like, no, you got to help us support the, the, the New York health act. So, you know, the, the, the thing is, I said it before. I'll say it again. All of these groups in New York State that are pushing for, you know, whether it's New York Renews or whether it's, um, what's that other one fighting for criminal justice uh, or, or the housing justice? All of us got to come together as one cohesive unit, campaign for New York Health. All got to come together as one cohesive unit and say, yo, look, you guys, the state legislature has to put a, an, a legislative initiative on the ballot that would give us the option and the right to be able to place our own amendments on the ballot as initiatives so that we can ratify our own initiatives into the New York State Constitution. Because this is ridiculous. I did almost, I went up to, remember I went up to Albany a few years ago. We was trying to deliver postcards of people who said they needed the New York Health Act to uh, Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousin's office, and she, like, locked us out. Uh, they called the security on us. The, the police came running up the stairs. And I was like, yo, we just want the same health care you got. 
You know what yeah. I mean? The, the, the cop was confused and whatnot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and we went we went to uh, Senate Majority Leader's cousin's uh, uh, district office up in uh, Westchester, and they was just like, "Oh, we're only gonna let a few of you in." I mean, it was it was just like you know this lady needs to go. <laughs> but I think what it is is that you know what I hear is that people don't know how to get rid of her because they feel that they, she's going to pull the, the, the black sexist card because she's a black woman. It's like, oh, you're trying to go after a sister and blah, 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 whatever the case is, right? But she's terrible. Her and uh, Cornball Kathy Hochul are terrible. Cornball. You know I was I mean? just going to say got, another thing that... We um, did what we... Yeah. I was just going to say another thing organized it. that Roger complained about for quite some time is that there are a lot of um, left independent media hosts that live in New York and none of them talked about the New York Health Act. Mm-hmm, exactly. Major everyone associated with the majority port. I don't know if Kyle Kalinske still lives in Westchester. He probably lives in DC with his he, wife. He did, at the t- he did at the time. Yes, he, he did, did at the time. time. He did at the time, this is true. You know and what I mean? He, Couldn't he, get any coverage. It, it had a lot of support. We had the support of the nurses' union. Like there, as far as the people goes, they were promising us that they were going to go there and support it, and then left it off the floor. And mm-hmm. where I'm getting that information was from an interview with Jabari Brisbard on New York Now, and he flat out said that's what happened. No, what did he say? Uh, he said that leadership was approached and asked to have the bill left off the floor so that nobody would have, you know, he didn't go into this part, but really it's so that nobody has to go on the record siding with the insurance industry. Yep. This has happened before though, guys, this has happened before, but the thing is, um, organized is that they don't tend to cover local news. Like they don't tend to cover local politics, which I think it's important. You should, I know not all your viewers may live in the city or the state that you live in, but it still gives people perspective. So when I cover things that are happening in Boston, I still tell people like, look, this could be coming to you next. Like these things are important. So like they need to know it those things are happening. The New York Health Act should have been- Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, the New York the New York Health Act, like majority report, status quo, uh, secular talk, or Kyle at the time, he, he when he was in New York, all these people should have covered this. Yeah. yeah. And they should have covered it when it happened in California and Colorado and you know I'm not well you know what I'll just date on what happened with Washington but I know that they have an initiative it's it's not just New York State and it's not like it's it's not a local issue it's a statewide issue so our representatives that are in Washington they work in Washington but they are from our state they live here they are in Washington because we sent them well I'll, I'll say this uh, Washington is the only ballot initiative state that actually tried to push it as a ballot initiative, and they keep tr- and they still trying to do it. Kudos to them. But I went on like a Zoom call with the CalCare people. You know, after they went through that whole debacle with Senator Ashkar, whatever his name is, and they couldn't get CalCare, they couldn't pass it, or whatever the case is. So I figured, okay. After what happened in was it 2017 with Speaker Rendon, uh, who of the Assembly who didn't, you know, who 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 killed it, and after what happened a 
was it last year, a couple of years ago when they killed it. I said, let me see what they're doing. I got on a Zoom call with them. Woman was all energized, whoever this lady was. And they're still talking about talking to legislators. And I was like, are you guys kidding me? You guys are, are a ballot initiative state. Okay, you got the organization. You know what I mean? You already seen the, how many times do, uh, you know, like, how many times are they going to tell you they're just not that interested in you? You know what I mean? But then it was just like, oh, you're being, you know, the moderator was like, oh, you're being rude and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, you people are doing it the wrong way. You got the ability to do it yourself. I understand that it's hard, but you're not going to get it past your, your, you know, I mean, we have an excuse. We don't have that option, but they have that option. Colorado has that option. Arizona mm -hmm. has that option. I wouldn't look. If New York State was a ballot state, I would not. Only time I talk to these politicians is, is when I need something with like some constituent services, like a pothole paved or a stop sign put at the corner or whatever the case is. I'll be like, we'll handle the laws, guys. We'll handle the amendments. Okay, because y'all don't know what you're doing. You know, well, you could do all this other stuff. Oh, and another thing, I don't know if you know this, um, organized. You know, they, um, you know, let me see. We did our job back when I was a Democrat. We did our job. We put the Democrats first as a majority in both chambers. Then we gave them a supermajority. Then we got rid of Cuomo, who was like, nah, I'm not passing that. We did all this stuff just for Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins to say, you know, maybe the federal government should do it, which, is, which was the Cuomo line when um, Cynthia, I was gonna say McKinney, Cynthia Nixon was uh, primarying him. And it's like, they should let the federal government do it. Okay, so, I mean, I'm like, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, but yeah, the, 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 and, and the, the ultimate thing that they did was last year, within like from 2018 to last year, within four years, they gave themselves a $62,000 raise. So they went from about 79,500 to 110,000. And then, then they did a little emergency session at the very last week of last year and bumped themselves up to $142,000. Then they said, okay, like the Senate chair of um, the of the labor committee, uh, Senator Ramos. Then she says, "Okay, now we're going to do a minimum wage of twenty one dollars and twenty five cents an hour." And it, uh, uh, Cornball Kathy was like, "Oh no, we're we're going to do seventeen dollars." And then they settled on sixteen dollars. I was like, "Why not? Why couldn't you attach that minimum wage to your thing when you wanted to, you know?" Uh, uh, to you know, give yourselves a raise, even though twenty one dollars ain't saying jack in New York State. It really needs to be like fifty dollars. But after that, yeah, that's what I was like. What's that? Yeah, especially yeah, you know, just downstate period, because they said you know, like downstate is the most expensive part of New York State. You know, I mean, I don't know. I guess you're in the city. I'm I'm out in Nassau County, but. Um, yeah, so so that's when I was completely done with with the, with the Democrat. I mean, I was done before, but I figured I had some hope in the state. But I'm like, man, and you look, look at all your favorite ones, all your progressive ones. I looked at who voted for it: Salazar, the so-called Marxist socialist, uh, Bris mm -hmm. Brisport, 
all of these people who are supposed to be like, oh, I'm progressive and socialist, whatever, them people gave themselves a raise and left us behind. And then you got these vote blue no matter who, like uh, 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 Democrats, and it's just like, oh, well, they work hard. I was like, I work harder. That person over there works harder. We all work harder than they do. They only legislate half a year anyway. And during that year, they take more times off than, I don't know, couldn't think of an analogy. But yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Taking up like photo ops with people that they're just going to walk in there and disappoint. Well, the other thing, too, that I want to mention to people, it seems like um, the whole socialist term has also been co-opted. Like anybody can just call themselves a socialist now and just run through the Democratic Party as a Democrat and appear to be something that they're not. So we have to be cautious about that as well, too. You know, so yeah, I will have... say at least the, the race thing, it didn't pass by a veto proof majority. It passed like by one vote in the Senate and like like five votes in the in the assembly. So. A lot of them, you know, knew that it's like, nah, that's a bad look. <laughs> but if we, I will say, if we have these candidates that are running, like in our areas, and they're running, and they say they're socialists, but they're running to the Democratic Party, if you get the opportunity to talk to them, ask them about workers owning the means of production and see how uh, how much they know about that being a socialist and all, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hear you, definitely. There is one guy who's who's pushing that. This guy is Senator Bailey. He is he's in the like the Southwest Bronx or something like that is district, I think. But because I know that's he the, tough one. But that's the test. Yes, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> that, absolutely. We need more independence like Massachusetts and uh, Arkansas. It's sixty percent you guys got sixty percent independence and Arkansas got eighty seven percent independence registered independents but only the republicans come out in the vote and only the democrats come out and vote <laughs> yep yep that's very true okay thank you organized i want to bring in Brady. all right just got i know i have other people lined up what's up brady what's up sabby thank you for coming back to hello Colin is one of the rare places we can even have a conversation about something like this right um even the word rape itself is banned on YouTube. I think people are having to say things like grape and other stuff like this. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. The, yeah. Word, the, the word rape itself is now a bad word. No, I'm not letting that happen. So I'm, thank you for having this conversation here. And this is such an important lesson for men all over the world right now. I think there's a major sexual illiteracy problem when it comes to men in general and their understanding of consent and what consent means. Um, and so uh, I don't know if you're aware, but there was a, supposedly a text where Russell Brand was apologizing to a woman for um, uh, having non-consensual sex without a condom with her, which was basically Russell Brand admitting to rape um, in this alleged text. We talk, yeah, we, now, we Russell did, Brand like, we did about, cover that tonight in that screenshot. Like they were talking about the screenshot of the text. So yeah, I did. And so I think the, this is a good opportunity for Russell Brand to exemplify uh, how a good man should respond to the situation. And so I, I personally do believe that Russell Brand did rape that woman. And I think that what he should do is come clean about it and admit to everyone. I, you know, I did rape that woman 
Um, that was technically rape. And this is a valuable lesson for every man in the world to learn right now. Um, that doesn't matter how um, important you are, how nice you've been and stuff like that. Like if you kill someone, you go to jail. You know what I mean? And when you rape somebody, uh, you are essentially murdering their sex life, um, which is one of the best things about being a human. It's one of the best things about living for some of us, um, for some of us lowly animalistic people, you know. Um, but uh, so there's an important lesson there that, you know, when you uh, harm someone, you need to account for that now. In Russell's case, uh, I think that his response in the moment in the text was actually uh, relatively good for a man who's just done such a, a such a horrible thing. He acknowledged that he made a mistake, which is more than most men do. Um, he apologized for it. He did everything he could to make amends for it. I think he recognized his behavior. And it's important to also mention that Russell Brand is a very different man than he was when he was going through substance abuse issues. And substance abuse obviously lowers your cognitive abilities like empathy and things like that. Um, and there's a, there's a very clear distinction to be made between consent and enthusiastic consent. And the importance in that distinction comes in a case that just recently happened with a young Indian college student, a young man was at a bar and this girl was very clearly, you know, sexually advancing on this guy. She was making out with him. She was on his lap. She was about it. And her and her friend were having a conversation with him outside the bar when they were waiting for taxis to go. It was like, you know, this is her friend saw that he was, she was leaving with this guy. Her friend was okay with it. You know, it was like, everything was like totally cool. Everything was all on camera. But after it happened, the girl decided she wasn't comfortable about her decisions, her activities that night. And I think, uh, somebody else actually, her roommate, uh, reported the guy for rape. And he was arrested the next day. And thanks to the camera evidence of the enthusiastic consent that she was essentially giving him at the bar with the cameras, it got him out of uh, what would have been a rape charge because he had very clear, enthusiastic consent. Now, if, if she would have been like, yeah, all right, like, mm, I don't know, like, OK, you know, he might not have won that case. And so that's an important case for guys to keep in mind is that it's very important to um, make sure that the women that we're romantically interacting with <clears throat> are legitimately okay with it. And they're not just saying yes, okay, because of a power differentiation or a power imbalance or something like that. Um, and so I think the best course of action for Russell right now would just be to put his nuts right on the line and say, I raped that woman. It's what I did. It wasn't right. I'm not proud of it, but it's what happened. And I'm willing to face the consequences for it, whatever it may be. And I think if he were to come out and do that, um, that would massively, even though it's a legally risky and dangerous thing to do, technically raping someone is a legally risky and dangerous thing to do. Um, I think the right thing would be to um, admit you did it and just be upfront as possible about it. Talk about it. Invite the woman on if she wants to talk about it. Uh, ask her how much she's comfortable with him talking about it, but just let the conversation happen. You know, um, the conversation needs to happen because clearly there are a lot of men in this country who don't understand um, uh, what consent is or what rape is. And um, there's a lot of sexual illiteracy that's causing a lot of suffering all over the planet. Um, I'll remind you guys that sexual 
and human trafficking is the one of the uh, currencies of war on this planet. So it benefits um, the war machine to enable this kind of behavior uh, in the long, longer term, the, the larger perspective of things. And so thank you for having such an awesome conversation with the savvy you rock. <laughs> yeah, so one thing I, I do want to say, I think there's a difference between having consensual sex with someone and having consensual sex with someone and they ask you to wear a condom and you don't wear a condom. So I, I want to be, I think we need to differentiate between the two. Like, obviously, if someone asks you to wear a condom and you choose not to, that's not good. That's a no go. Like, that's that's not OK. And then also, if there's another thing, too, that's that has been happening where if you're wearing a condom and they ask you to wear a condom and then you take it off, that is also not OK. People have to understand it's like you could be potentially exposing people to diseases. You could be exposing yourself to diseases. Like you never know. Like, so, but the thing is, is like you don't violate someone in that way. If someone tells you that you need to wear a condom, you have to wear a condom. But is that rape though, Sabrina? I could have said that person being a dick. It's not the first time somebody has done that. Uh oh. It's right, I'm sorry. Right, right. Go go ahead again, Ashura. I was like, how is that? He called it rape. I'm like, how does that constitute rape? It's not the first time a guy busted up inside another woman. That's him being a dick over it. Okay, so what makes it rape is that it's non-consensual. So I don't know if it's... Not I think it's more than it, just being a... It's more than just being a dick over it, Ashura. Like, people have been able to sue about this before. Okay. Mm -hmm. like, I don't I don't think he'll go to prison. It might, they might give him a civil suit or some shit. I don't know. Right. Like, I don't think it's because the thing about like that type of like sexual assault, that is obviously a forcing yourself upon someone against their consent. Go ahead, Roger. Guys, when a woman tells you, oh, you don't have to wear a condom, run. Because you got some of that, too. And here's the thing, like, no means no. Here's the thing that, that's in, important to understand about rape and the definition of rape is rape is non-consensual sexual intercourse, which means that um, something's going in somebody um, without their permission. And that is it. So by that definition, you know, um, popping your condom off in the middle of sex would be considered rape. Um, sexual assault or sexual harassment is maybe non-physical forms of non-consensual sexual interaction. Those would be the non-physical versions of it. But the physical forms of non-consensual sexual activity, we can just consider and put an umbrella blanket of rape and even extend it. The definition is even extended to things like robbing someone, you know, in some cases. Um, so it's really important to understand that consent is the important aspect to distinguish when it comes to what is rape and what is not. Um, so he had permission to have, you know, uh, protected sex with her, but he did not have permission to have unprotected sex with her. And when he violated that permission by taking the condom off, which a lot of us guys do, I mean, this is, this is why it's such a difficult conversation to have because a lot of guys are, are guilty of this behavior. Um, uh, and it is, a uh, 
it's a very difficult thing that men have to deal with. We have to learn to tame that sexual dragon within us. We need to tame that inner animal. That's what makes us human and uh, better than animals is that we're able to control those urges. And um, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that people with higher cognitive function are actually able to do this and things like alcohol um, are really to blame for a lot of rape culture. There's a lot of drug abuse, substance abuse that, that are, um, you can point the finger at as well, you know, and there's, this is why I call Russell Brand a limited hangout. You know, this is why I'm not, you know, I used to, I used to hate Russell Brand. I thought that it was, I rationally hated him, but now I know why I hated him. You know, kind of like Queen Elizabeth. I used to think that I rationally hated her, but now I know why. But, um, you know, this is not a big deal because this just leaves room for one of you guys to just pick up the torch from Russell Brand. There's no reason we need a British pop star to do the news for us. Um, one of you guys or uh, anyone in this room, I think, is um, all right. Maybe not not as capable as Russell Brand. He's really good at his delivery, but I think he's still a good guy. I think he's redeemable. This doesn't necessarily mean the end of his career, and I don't think he should be afraid of the situation. I think that his response so far has been relatively good as far as, except for the part where he didn't outright admit anything, you know, but I, like we mentioned earlier, there could be some liturgious reasons for that. And, you know, that's an interesting com nuanced conversation to have. And I'm glad that we could have that here. But uh, the reason that I think Russell Brand is a limited hangout <clears throat> is because he doesn't speak out against the cult of Yahweh and he doesn't speak in favor of psychedelics. And so those are two things that I think kind of keep him within the safety net of, uh, you know, controlled uh, spaces or controlled opposition. Um, but other than that, I think he's a great guy. I love him now. You know, like I said, I used to hate the guy. I used to really legitimately like I felt like I irrationally hated Russell Brand. And after he got clean, he became a different person. And I legitimately love the person he became, whether it's a good thing or not. I, like I still say, you know, I think he might be a little bit of a uh, limited hangout, but he's a much better personality. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good example of non-toxic masculinity now, which we don't have very many examples of non-toxic males in our culture whatsoever. I challenge you guys to point to a non-toxic man in our culture. Uh, we if we could get a list going, that'd be great because we could use more. <laughs> I would point to James Corbett, <laughs> but it's even possible that he's got some things to learn. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for having the conversation. I'll pass the joint. And um, but yeah, thanks again. And this is the beautiful thing about Colin is that we can actually have these conversations. And I don't think rape is a bad word. I think that rape is a bad thing to do. It's a bad action, not a bad word. All right, I'll go to Noel and then I'll bring in Bill. What's up, I Noel? think we need a really important point of clarification about what Brady was just saying about the Indian young lady because consent can happen at any time. And I can be all over you in the bar and have you feeling on me and kissing on me. But if we get to a bedroom and I say no, then no is no at that point. So I don't know what happened in that case. But to go back to any footage and say, well, there was evidence of this and that, that she was promiscuous with him and she was kissing all over him. But if there is not footage of the actual intercourse, she could say no at any moment. You can be prepared to penetrate and a person can say no. And that is not consent. 
So like I say, I don't know what happened in that case, but I would caution everybody in these circumstances to know that when no is said is when the point that there is no consent, you know? And the other thing is I would encourage women to be conscientious about the situations you place yourself in. You know, there is no way to legitimize when when you tell someone no and they take advantage of you that's no there's no way to legitimize this that is rape but what i say to you is why put yourself in these circumstances because after you are raped nothing that they can do can get you unraped and you're going to have to go through the trauma through the this through the that even if he's found guilty, it still does not take away the trauma and the harm. So my thing is an ounce of prevention is worth 50 pounds of cure. And I just don't understand. And maybe it's because of who I am. I don't understand all this going out and getting drunk and this and that and all this. To me, that's just an invitation to find yourself in circumstances that can easily get out of control. And the other thing, you know, that Brady said that I wanted to comment on is, you know, I love Brussels brand now. I hated him then for this and this and that. My thing is, these are people who have platforms. I judge people on the information they provide and present. I don't know them. I don't think I know them. I don't know their past. I don't, you know, I care about who they are, but only to the extent that they're providing good information. Bad people who've done bad things can provide good information. And I think in this in this day and age, we have to be prepared as we organize to try and move forward to deal with the, the substantive stuff at hand that has to do with how we organize and how we move. And we have to be prepared to see some people fall by the wayside because here's the thing. It feels like a smear thing on Russell Brand, but once they create the cloud Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, second guessing and suspicion and this and that, even if he is innocent, that cloud is still hanging out there. And so I'll say, you know, it's it's not productive for us to be knee deep in all these things when there are other matters that deserve our attention. Whatever it is that happened between him and young those young ladies, they need to deal with it in the court of law and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But we need to stay focused on the issues at hand because I think it was Lucy Parsons, who was an activist in the early ages, who said, they're not going to let you vote their wealth away. And we have to be focused on, no matter how you strike it, If we're to live a different life in this country, it is going to take something along the lines of a revolution. Because just as um, Roger was talking with organizers about, oh, you can have the deck stacked with a supermajority of Democrats, but there's going to be some moneyed interest that eases in and say, well, ooh, don't bring it to the floor. You know, those type of things are going to happen because capital is not going to let you vote it away easily. You have to take it. And we have to be prepared to turn these elective offices into revolving doors. And that's the only way you get anything. And look how long that takes. 
And I just, you know, that's all. So all I was going to say is that I think that <clears throat> uh, women can go out and get drunk and, and all those things, but that still does not make them, you know, uh, basically uh, a prospect to be assaulted. Like women can, can go out and get as drunk as they want to. And I think what we should be doing and something I've noticed, especially working with these kids, is that parents need to be teaching these boys because there's been a lot of discussions with the females, but parents need to be teaching their sons, these boys, about not taking advantage of young women. Because a lot of these boys that I've seen, they think, and let's be clear here, and, and the women in the chat, if you're not in the queue or whatever, let me know how you feel about this, if this has ever happened to you. I remember growing up and these young boys, now you can't do this stuff today, but I remember some of these young boys, like they would think it was okay to just grab a girl's butt to grab their boobs. This is like we were in school. Like they thought this shit was okay. It was like, there was always that one boy in the class who just thought it was okay to just grope the girls in the class. And there seemed to be no accountability. And so granted, you know, things have changed as time has gone by. But the point that I'm making is it has become very apparent to me that a lot of these parents are not having this discussion with their sons. They're having the discussion with the with the girls because obviously women get pregnant. So there's that discussion. You're more likely to have it with them. But in talking to some of these boys that I've worked with, it seems like to me the discussion was just like, you know, if you're going to, you know, consent or whatever, make sure you use some type of protection. But where's the discussion about what is consent and what is not consent? Where's the discussion about where it's not appropriate to obviously what is sexual assault and what is not appropriate to do to, to a, a female. And what I've noticed is a lot of these boys are not, they're not having this discussion with their parents. And so they tend to think that these things are okay. I remember like back when I was in high school, I remember I was, I was reading this article. It was in Teen Vogue. I don't know if everybody remembers Teen Vogue. It was in Teen Vogue. And there was this girl and she was talking about, she came forward and she pressed charges and she was talking about how the guys on the hockey team were bragging about running a train on girls. And at that point in time, she didn't realize like that was technically a bad thing. She didn't realize that that was sexual assault. And so the thing is, is like, where have we come in reference to a culture? And why was that even acceptable or okay to begin with? And then you have to look at all these other institutions that are in place that actually keep these predators, you know, doing what they're doing. When a lot of these cases happen at these universities, for the most part, the administration don't do shit. People go and report to Title IX. They don't do anything. They'll You'll sit down with them. And I've heard this from multiple students. Like, you'll sit down with them. You'll tell them your story and everything. But for the most part, the perpetrator gets to stay at school because they'll just say, it's just your word against theirs. So the institutions in place they are basically set up in a way or designed in a way to protect patriarchy and to protect the men. They're not set up in a place to protect the women. 
And so, and sexual assault can happen on both sides, by the way, like this can happen to men as well. By the way, men are even more or less likely to come forward if they're in that situation. But the systems that are in place are designed to protect the perpetrator and not the victim. And that includes K through 12, that includes uh, these college, colleges and universities, that includes the workplace, that includes all of these things. That's why someone like a Harvey Weinstein was able to do what he did for as long as he did. You can't tell me people in Hollywood didn't know what was going on. Including women. Exactly. This is why someone like Rose McGowan was shut out. That's why they shut her out. They're like, no, nope, we can't have you anymore. You told too much. And when you think about it, it's just it. I mean, the patriarchy that runs through the American culture parallels the white supremacy. And both of them have been around since the beginning and they're still here. (coughs) These are all good points. All right, I'm going to bring in Bill. Thank you so much, Brady. I know Bill's been waiting for a minute. Okay, Bill, you're on the mic. Just got to unmute. Hello. Oh, we can't hear you. I'm not sure if you're on headphones can or you what. Can you hear me? We can hear you now. Oh, okay. Uh, let me see if I can get... I can't get back. Oh, here. Let me get back to the page. Yeah, I just wanted to... Um, uh, discuss something differently uh, uh, about the uh, Trump interview with uh, uh, Megyn Kelly. Go for it. Okay. <clears throat> if you if you listen very carefully, I have the time code, uh, which is one forty five fifty one. Trump says something, uh, which is he's talking about the fake news, and he says, uh, "When I say something, even when it's true, they don't cover me." Did you catch that? Well, just send me that email. I think I responded the yep. email and said, oh, I missed that. Yep. Have, am I seeing something that someone's already seen before? Because I've been Googling to see if anybody picked up on that. I think I missed that part. I don't know if other people. Oh, Dwayne said in the chat, he said he caught that. Yeah. So I think it's a nice little uh, quote. Uh, from Trump, he kind of slipped up there. That's very interesting. I'm gonna have to, okay, yeah, I know I have to, I know you sent me the email with the timestamp. I'm gonna have to go back and check that because that's, yeah, that probably <laughs> when I say something that's true. <laughs> I think that, I think that it might be fun. I don't do Twitter, but if someone if can grab that clip and pop it up there onto Twitter, I think it would be pretty, uh, pretty funny because he is speaking the truth. I could probably do that. Actually, where is um I could play it. I don't know if it comes through on the computer on this. I see Neoliberal Tears is uh listening. Neoliberal Tears will probably do that because Neoliberal Tears always catches these things. <laughs> he says it very quickly. I heard it and uh and I've checked it and he does say that when I say something, even when it's true, they don't cover me. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> And on the previous conversation, I think that uh, the thing about taking off the condom, I think that's British law. I think it's called stealthing. And if uh, in British law, it's considered rape if you're uh, if you take the condom off without the woman knowing. And I think that's why Russell Brand's in trouble on one of those cases because it happened in Britain. Okay. 
okay so that's where okay because brady did say that so maybe that's where brady got that from when brady said i guess technically because in the uk that is considered that yep yep anyway all right i don't want to take anybody any more time i just wanted to point that little trump uh trump slip up i thought it was rather humorous awesome thank you so much you're welcome good night all right let's bring in maria Maria just got a hit on mute. What's Sabby, up? Sabby. Um, I, I wanted to say first and foremost that I was really thrilled with your guest, Frank. And I really crazy look forward to uh, the possibility of you interviewing uh, the lady that overcame and beat the statute that was trying to shut her down. Those kind of wins are rare in my neighborhood. In my neighborhood, we got almost 5,000 signatures to block a package liquor license, which would have made the ninth one in a one mile radius. And that was shut down. but but at the same time, a nonprofit that serves the community was trying to build a new headquarters in our neighborhood. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not- so she she got less than two hundred signatures because she liked riding her bike by the old building, and she got it blocked. And by the time it went through Metro Council to get approved. Uh, the The cost of the building had gone up about $2 million for construction with inflation. So if somebody can block a public, a community service initiative for less than 200 signatures, uh, and we got almost 5,000 to block a liquor license that was one the ninth in a one mile radius. What are we supposed to do? So I I wanna hear her story and if if you could make a panel, uh if you wanna contact uh councilwoman Harper Hall, who's the district one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's very where Black Wall Street was, and I guess is. Uh, she's very generous with her time, and she was able to implement something that, uh, as a public health initiative, that limited dollar stores uh, with only high processed packaged foods. Uh, in her district. So I think that was a win as well uh, because of the obvious correlations and significance with the detriment of health in neighborhoods with high concentrations of dollar stores. So I think the combination of the lady Frank was referencing and Councilwoman Harper Hall would be a super panel for uh, wonderful examples about how to implement positive change 
in communities and using community action. Can you email that information to me so I can have that and I can reach out? Um, I don't, I don't have your email, but, uh, council. My email, so my email address is in the description tab of all of my YouTube videos. If you can email me, that would be great. That way I can, I like to keep everything in one place and I can just contact them. Okay. That would be super. And I, I just, in terms of Russell Brand, I, I, I applaud the efforts of, you know, his commitment to, uh, recovery. I applaud his efforts in bringing things to people's awareness that wouldn't otherwise be. And it, it saddens me what's going on right now. But I, I'm not unreasonable. I'm not blind. And I, I just realized that, you know, it has to be due process. And, you know, I, I am awaiting due process. I am suspect of the timing of it. Uh, I, you know, I, I just, I won't pass any judgment until, you know, based on the court of public opinion. I, I just can't bring myself to do that because, you know, there are too many examples where it goes dramatically wrong. But there are other cases where it's spot on. But you don't know until it comes to actual due process. So I, I, I can't pass judgment on him until... Well, in, even then, it's not my place to pass judgment on him. It's, it's the due process and other people uh, in court of law. It's, it's not my place to pass judgment. All right, Maria. Thank you so much. Very well said. Yeah, I think the reality is we're all just going to have to wait. That's the thing. All right, let's go ahead and bring in David, and then I'll go to Lucy. What's up, David? You're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Going once. Going twice. Okay, let's go to Lucy. Lucy, you just have to unmute. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, I, I agree with the caller. I think... Um, you know, I don't know what happened ultimately, so I feel like those kinds of things have to go to court. Um, and my thing is just like, you know, how would you know <laughs> um, what happened? Uh, I, I think I, I'm, I'm not really interested in the court of uh, public opinion. Um, but, you know, I understand that the regular courts don't work either, so I, there's no solution really. But... <laughs> um, I just wanted to actually, I wanted to talk about the end fossil fuels march because I was one of the people that was kind of really against it. <laughs> um, and I, I can tell you the, the reason for that is that like me and Greg went on this research rabbit hole 
um, on this whole uh, end fossil fuel things. And I feel like the difference with the anti-war protest is that it's, you know, it's one thing to not agree with people that are there on, you know, and it's another thing to not agree on the central demand of the protest, um, which is end fossil fuels. I don't agree with that. <laughs> um, I, like, um, I really feel like, um, and I, I, I have this article that uh, I feel like people should read. I, I'm just going to post it in the chat. Um, I don't think people realize that the entire purpose of this protest is to divest from Russian gas. Um, the whole thing was like manufactured, basically. Um, New York Communities for Change, it's like a Soros-funded Soros um, organization. Um, yeah, you know, well, we, they we take did, money we from fossil fuel people. Yeah, we yeah. did. We did cover all that tonight. Yeah, they they take money from those people. Oh, sorry. I, I yeah, I I don't mean to repeat it. Um, uh, but also like it's you know it's really the whole ending fossil fuels thing is just about like passing the cost of divesting from Russian gas onto onto working people, you know, and like um the the protests in France, for example, that we saw this this year last year were about rising fuel prices and here in the u.s people are protesting to end fossil fuels to lift to to that that will cause like an increase in fuel prices which will absolutely kill people like um at the at the pump so you know i i think like it's good to care about the environment but i also feel like we have to realize what what that'll do to people's personal economy and um you know like ultimately a lot of our infrastructure problems too like you actually need fossil fuels to fix them like the train derailment in east palestine um i'm not sure if you're gonna be able to like you know find wind and solar to be able to fix those trains right away like like you know you need to use fossil fuels to fix infrastructure so that you don't have a, a lot of these environmental problems too like you need infrastructure repair. So like, I really, I don't, I don't think the central demand of the protest is anywhere near realistic. And um, I, I really think that like the Zoomers, are, you know, like Gen Z, like they're confused about this. They're like, people don't really understand the issue. I, I'm not saying I understand it very well. Like I'm still learning, but um you know, like, I, the, I feel like that's the difference. Like, the central demand of the protest is is wrong. And, um, and I... Yeah, I, but can I... I, I, don't I, think... just, I, I just gotta say this, and, and I'm sorry. And I, I totally understand that. But I've heard this for every rally and every protest. For every rally and every protest, people said the ask is wrong. The people that are invited is wrong. Uh, you guys aren't doing it the right way. It's not the right time. You should have picked a different time. You guys should have, you know, I've heard this every time. I heard the well, demand I, no, for force to vote was incorrect. The ask was right. You know, maybe the people were wrong, but the ask no, was right. No, no, I, I heard, I heard, no, as someone who was, I was there. And, and some of the people who criticized the Rage Against the War Machine rally 
before and after the event criticized the fact that they felt like it wasn't an anti-war protest. They felt like it was a protest against the Ukraine war and not all the other wars. And that's why some people criticized. They were like, well, why is Tulsi Gabbard there when Tulsi Gabbard agrees with drone strikes? So there was criticism in reference to that strategy as well. And that's what I'm saying. Like every rally that I've known of and or that I've been a part of or I've covered, there's always been the ask wasn't right or the demand wasn't right. Well, yeah, okay. I agree that Tulsi Gabbard agrees with drone strikes. Um, um, but I just, like, I feel like the, like, I really feel like the end fossil fuels thing and, like, a, a lot of the things that people were saying too, like AOC crash the protests, like, I've seen these nonprofits roll out in New York and it wasn't just AOC, like it was like every single assembly member was there. The New York City controller was there. Um, uh, you know, Jamal Bowman, not just, you know, like it was just like every single local assembly was there. It really yeah. was uh, a Democratic march with like that was like rolled out by all of the nonprofits that the Democrats have their fingers in. Now, like, yes, you could say the anti-war rally in D.C. was also maybe like the Libertarian Party had its fingers in it. And, and the fine, Republican that's party. like a legitimate criticism. But that is a third party. Like, I, like, and, I feel and like the, people... no, no, no. And and the Republican Party, the Republican Party had their fingers in that, too. There were also Republicans. All those people weren't just Libertarians. I felt like most of them were Libertarians. <laughs> That was my impression. I, no, I there, there, there were Republicans who were also speakers. Now, some of these people didn't show up. I don't know what happened with that. But there were also Republicans who were also speakers. And, you know, well, I, I don't know. I, 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 my impression was that the rage thing was Libertarians because, like, that Ron Paul guy bought them out. Um, but the New York City thing, like, for sure, it was, uh, it, it really was, like, all of the government officials in the city leading it with like the help of the nonprofit organizations that they're connected to they didn't crash it like it, it wasn't like an organic thing that they crashed and the the, the demands like when you see like new york city like communities for change um where they're saying like outside of chase they're like chase divest from um oil gas and coal and the reason they want to do that is because a lot of European countries are still, um, and Chase Bank specifically, is is invested in oil, gas, and coal. And the reason they want to do that is because, like, the neocons right now um, are kind of split with finance, actually. Like, they want to pressure the banks to divest from Russian gas. That's, like, the whole reason this whole thing got rolled out so quickly with so much establishment support. And... Um, people don't really understand that. Like they, you know, so anyway, I just wanted to, um, to say that I, I like, I'll post the link. It, um, the, it's like a Harvard article where they're basically giving it away. Like what, what their whole game thing was for this. And I don't know. I like, it is what it is, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I get that, but I, I think it's and, and I totally get that. Like I said, we we cover we talked about this tonight. We talked about like what this was really about and what it should have been about and how people should have been calling out the military industrial complex. And unfortunately, and this is what I want people to understand, unfortunately a lot of these organizations are attached to the Democratic Party. 
And a lot of people have to understand that. And I've, I've run into that multiple times, even with local organizations here in Massachusetts. A lot of them still are connected and attached to the Democratic Party. My question is, though, what is what what is the solution? Because a lot of times I hear every time there's these rallies and protests, whatever, there's a lot of like everybody calls out the problems. But what is the solution? Go, go ahead, Roger. Um, so I think this would definitely. Oh, by the way, just as a little uh, factoid or whatever you want to call it. Um, New York State is, is number one in least carbon emissions. Um, even though they even though the protest was more than just New York State. Um, but also, I think, like I said, I've said it before, I think that we should go um, do uh, nuclear energy, um, but not have it shareholder owned, but have it cooperatively owned. Um, especially by the community because when the community owns the you know owns the uh the the, the nuclear plant they're definitely going to make sure that there are safety precautions put in place because they live there um so that's that, that's like clean energy right there plus you can use you can reuse the nuclear waste again like a, a few times before you know whatever the case is but i think that's what you know because yeah, and definitely end fossil fuels, but like like you were saying, Lucy, there needs to be something you know in place to switch over to because it's not really going to be uh, uh, wind and solar. But um, as of right now, plus they've been making um, breakthroughs in, in nuclear energy as well, like with fusion instead of fission, which is the which is the the destructive manner of it. But the fusion when you yeah and you know like obviously well I mean they shut tried to shut down Kennedy was involved in this whole like shutdown like nuclear in New York um, right and then it Indian turns out plant. that nuclear is cleaner than the oil whatever <laughs> yeah. um, but, nuclear was supposed uh, to be dirty yeah. uh, well it's it's a lot more than that it's zero carbon emissions well you know what anyway keep, you keep talking Lucy you was you was already talking. Well, you know, I think, you know, it's like, it's it's so, it's such, it's really a complicated issue because then if you do zero carbon emissions and you're going to like go to electric or whatever, you still have to mine lithium and stuff from these other countries. And that's, that carries a huge cost too. And, and they're, you know, they're trying to cool all those countries that where there's lithium right now. Like that, you know, the U.S. is all involved in, 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 um, you know, like Canada's involved in the Congo you know they're trying to get involved with they tried to get involved with Bolivia so you know like that's that's the clean energy like you still need the rare earth minerals um for the clean energy and like the cost like the actual life cycle of making an electric car is is like more energy intensive than just converting your like keep using your beat up car so i i i think it's like really complicated issue and the end so, fossil fuels thing is just so simplistic to me that I just can't wrap my head around why we're protesting for it for that at all <laughs> so, so well part of part of it so has to do part of it has to do with the pipelines like stop line three standing rock the pipelines in Appalachia 
um, the Willow Project, part of it has to do with the pipelines that are poisoning these communities. That That's part of it. But to your point, like I said earlier tonight, the focus should have been the military industrial complex. And the fact that you had someone like AOC speak there, that didn't make any sense because she, again, voted for drilling. She is supporting Joe Biden, who approved the Willow Project. So again, this is another, like I said earlier, this is another example of these types of movements being co-opted by the Democratic Party. And we have to be wary of that. We have to be conscious of that. It is very hard because, like I said, a lot of these organizations that are grassroots, they claim to be grassroots, so to speak, and they're fighting for these causes that a lot of us care about, they're still attached to the Democratic Party. Also, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, um, Lucy, you can actually make, I, I wish Joey, Joey was here, but um, you can make batteries out of hemp. And they've been experimenting with it and they found it to be um, longer lasting, more reliable. Um, they've been experimenting with, it's called the, the graphene, it, 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 texture, and a mineral, whatever you want to call it, in hemp called graphene. Um, but you could also make components with it, you know, uh, conductive components with it. So instead of having to um, take from the earth and excavate and take out of the earth and dig for all these rare minerals and so on and so forth, you can plant crops, hemp crops, that'll be giving back to the earth. You know, I wish Joey was here because he he goes because you know he's like he's indigenous and he was going all into it and whatnot like deeper than 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 I was. Joey Peltier. But we don't. Right, right. Joey, he's he's here. Matter of fact, he's here in New York. He I'm I'm gonna he's, he told me to call him tomorrow before he leaves or whatever. But um, but yeah, we don't even have to do that. We don't even have to. It's 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 more reliable than lithium and cobalt and all that different type of stuff. So all the solutions is just. There needs to be government investment, you know, real government investment, not like a little puny government investment or whatever. You can even like he was telling me about how um, like when uh, the government was dumping nuclear waste on his uh, land, they found that the hemp makes it inert, makes the radioactivity of it inert. It's like they plant hemp crops on top of it. So it renders it non-dangerous or whatever the case was so what i'm saying is there's other solutions oh and also the thing with with the cars we might have to rethink transportation in this country because we came there was a point i guess you can say i don't know maybe after world war ii or whatever the case yeah, probably after world war ii europe decided to go high-speed rail we decided to go car you feel what i'm saying so we might have to rethink our transportation, you know, and, and actually actually build high-speed rail all over the country, true high-speed rail, like they have in Japan and Europe and all those other places. You feel what I'm saying? And one might think, oh, well, the car manufacturing industry might be against that. They might get some pushback. I'm like, no, because just like how in World War II, when, the, when Ford went to, from making cars to tanks, we could go from these car manufacturers go from making cars to train cars. You know, so, well, so I, I totally are... agree. I, I totally agree that we should have better and like more 
public transportation, but mm-hmm. you still need fossil fuels for like <laughs> creation of public transportation, at least right now. No, no, that's um, why I was saying nuclear energy before. That's why I said nuclear energy oh, before okay. in terms of in terms of investing in it because we did it before. But like I said, don't have it publicly traded shareholder owned by private equity groups. It has to be cooperatively owned by the community because they're going to make sure that this thing don't blow up or they're not going to be, they're not trying to cut corners or anything like that. (laughs) You know, they want to make sure that, yeah, we're not trying to poison our own water and do a whole bunch of craziness or whatever. So either, you know, like either stationalize it or, you know, just talking about New York, either stationalize it or cooperatize it, but don't privatize it. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, the thing the thing is we can't live off fossil fuels forever. Like mm-hmm. eventually, like that's the thing. Like these resources are going to disappear. We we have to move to something else. And the longer we wait to just basically just sit back and like see what happens, the worse it's gonna be for people. We should have started doing this a long time ago. We're actually late, we're behind. Yes. I guess like, you know, part of my, I guess, mentally, um, even though what Trauma Queen is saying about I that, you know, what I've been learning lately about how decarbonizing is actually setting back Africa and stuff from actually developing that, you know, that basically it's like all of these fossil fuel billionaires, they made all of their money off of fossil fuels they destroy the environment and now they're telling you that you have to pay more um to convert to electric and like you know they're raising gas prices i i agree that you know it would be better to like find a way to get off fossil fuels eventually if if a better solution doesn't come that's involved in like you know cooling countries and um I don't, you know, like forcing Africa to like not develop. Um, but it's, it really seems like the way all of this is being pushed is very cynical. And it's really just about raising prices on, on working people and having you pay like five times as much as at the gas pump. Like that's, that's where I see it going. So I don't really, you know, it, it just we doesn't seem we shouldn't be logical depending- to support this kind of thing because of the way, you know, weaponized and stuff. We shouldn't be depending on gas in the first place. I still have a lot to learn about it. Like, I agree with Roger. Yeah, we shouldn't be still depending, relying on gas in the first place. That's that's one of the big problems. But two, fossil fuels are not going to last forever. These things do run out. And in reference to what's happening in Africa and preventing them from, you know, growing or whatever, I would actually say it's Western you know, colonialization that's actually been preventing Africa from growing and succeeding as as a continent. That's what's been preventing those countries from being able to prosper. And it's not all countries. There are some countries in Africa that have been uh, growing and prospering. But when you have countries like France that actually steal resources from countries like Niger uh, in Africa, that's what I would argue that's what's preventing those countries from being able to grow and to prosper. I had this yeah. talk with uh, one of the security guards. He looked at me weird. I asked him uh, if he, he's still into green energy and that kind of shit. And I said, well, 
if green energy is supposed to be the future, why is it so pricey and you can't afford it? I gave an example with the cars, like the Teslas and shit, like how you can't afford it if you're a normal person. You'd have to be like an AOC level person who have the money to pay for a Tesla. And it's not but just most of these that. Green, that's, not it's, true. that's not true today. They actually have yeah. the cheaper Teslas now. They're not all that same. When they first came out, yes, they were um, a certain price. They were more expensive, but there are cheaper Teslas now. You can get a Tesla now for like $30,000, especially if you get a used one. So just FYI, that's what some people pay for a Honda. Plus, yeah, uh, there's a lot of different electric models now. Plus the fact that you can't, uh, you have to charge hey, it. So not many. Um, oh. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was gonna, I was gonna agree with Lucy, actually, um, you know, just in terms of the, the cynical view and how, like, if you look at, you know, the people that are pushing for um, accelerating decarbonization in Africa right now, and just, quote, unquote, sustainable solutions, it's shell oil. Like, those are the people that have, uh, like, you know, we have to sort of agree that climate change is real. And that all of the solutions have been hijacked by the same people who got us into this mess. And the other thing billionaires won't tell you is that private jets, like one single flight, is more polluting to the environment, to the planet, than thousands of cars combined together, you know. But they will never ban private jets, Right. That market is actually expanding. They're manufacturing more of them because there's more billionaires that we created, but they won't ban private jets. They'll make us like or in California, they're banning gas cars by 2030. So I do see sort of Lucy's point that it's being like the solutions that are being pushed are not going to a solve the climate crisis. And they are and they're going to they're literally going to just burn us alive and like give us Tesla tax credits, you know, but I don't, but but I agree with you, Sabi, that electric vehicles are like, they're cheaper now. There's Chevy EVs and all of that stuff. I just think private jets are way more polluting than, and, and, and all of these factories, like there's nothing private. It's not even just private jets. It's planes in general. It's all, it's all the planes, like the, the, the emissions, that come from the jet engines from a plane versus what comes from your car when you're going to work. Those are two totally different things. And how many times do people fly? You know, like it's so that's another thing. But again, like the biggest single most polluter is the military industrial complex. Even when you look at the vehicles that are used in the MIC, the tanks that the military uses, those vehicles actually emit more emissions and they actually actually produce more CO2. I did an entire like presentation about this uh, to the Boston Community Church. We were talking about discussion about uh, climate change, about what comes from the military. And again, they think it's just war. And I had to explain to people, it's not just the bombs. It's not just the drone strikes. It's also the vehicles that the military actually uses. Those actually use up gas a lot faster than your typical car. So people have to really understand. That's why I'm saying like, again, yes, fossil fuels is still a fucking problem. We can't rely on it. It's not going to last. And eventually that is going to be an issue. But at the same time, if those people, those same people aren't saying, 
end all the wars because of the climate effect, then something is suspect. The, the Teslas, though, well, I mean, I know there's like, I agree with you on on um, the the military, but the Teslas, uh, the Elon Musk, like the that's also part of the military complex because he, like Elon Musk, he like when he he and he 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 went viral for this. He said when he supported the coup in Bolivia, he said, "I will coup whoever I want to coup." And it was because he wanted access to lithium in, in Bolivia and for the election. He said, charge. actually, um, so, we're going to coup whoever we want, deal with it. <laughs> like he said, deal he with actually it. said, so, deal yeah, with it. Yeah, so that's yeah. part of the military industrial complex is also the Teslas. You know, I, part it's, of it's, military it's just, industrial complex. This is what I want people to really understand. Everything is connected to Google is connected to the military industrial complex. Every time yeah, you yeah. use Google... <laughs> Like you're supporting, that's the thing. Like, this is the thing people don't under, it's very hard to avoid it. And it's like, you don't have to be in the military in in order to be supporting the military industrial complex. The little freaking heaters that they used to have in my job, we used to have these little heaters because for whatever reason, in the winter, there was no heat in the office. Don't even get me started with that story. That was just kind of weird, but it it was a thing. So there was heat in the building, but there was no heat in the offices. So people were like sitting in the office with like jackets on. It was really weird. Anyway, in those offices, we had those little mini heaters. So all of us had like a little mini heater under our desk that we could use during the winter. Those heaters are provided by the university. The university has a contract with a particular distributor that particular distributor has a contract with Honeywell. So all of the heaters that we had were from Honeywell. Honeywell also supports the military industrial complex. This is how deep this goes. They're connected to everybody and everything. And so that's what people don't understand. Like when people came after me and they were like, oh, your husband is a part of the military industrial complex. Motherfucker, my dad was in the fucking military. Most people in my family were in the military because that got them out of fucking poverty. So the thing is, is that that's very, that's nothing when you look at the bigger scope of it and you see that a lot of things that we use are connected to the military industrial complex. Usually something that you have today started in the military, like GPS they used in the Persian Gulf War in the early 90s. And it didn't get to market until the late 90s, I would say, about late 90s, early 2000s or whatever. So that's that's like with technology, that was always the case. I if I knew people who came out of the military and we're using stuff, they'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, we was using that like umpteen years ago. So, yep. yeah, that, that's, that's how it was. Let me, I want to read this real quick. According to a Cambridge University researcher, a hectare of hemp can absorb between eight to 15 tons of CO2. In comparison, forests capture two to six tons, only depending on the type of trees in the region. We need to plant more hemp. Suck out that CO2. Um, I think the real issue is we have a system of governance 
that empowers people who are not going to make decisions in our best interest. And I think that goes all around the planet. You have an elite cabal who is doing what is prodigious for them. They're determined to stay in power and they could really care less what cost come to the everyday working people. And it's, that's just the reality. And when you look back, it's always been the case. These people are about what empowers them. They're about keeping this capitalist system in place. They're not about universal health care or anything that benefits what they consider the working class because they could care less from saying, oh, we're going to cool who we want and deal with it to going decades of people saying universal health care and the premier first world country won't deliver it, even though they're sending people to the moon and everything else and they're funding wars. We're in a system where the people who run it are not going to make decisions in on the interests of the masses. They're just not. And if we don't somehow figure out a way to, to turn this whole thing around, the writing is on the wall. And there will be some who make it and many, many, many who don't. And uh, to finish what I was saying, Sabrina, um, if somebody buys an electric car, how much is that going to cost you uh, on your electric bill itself? If there's not many places that are going to go with the electric, I don't know, char the electric spot where you basically can charge your car with it, because there's not many places like that. So people are probably still going to be using gas guzzling cars. No, there's way, there's way. My husband has an electric vehicle. There's a lot more of those places now than there were before. So well, we've, he's never run into that issue. He's never run into that issue. Because where I where I, where I am, I, I think I saw it once, one place that was doing that, but I don't think they're gonna pick up uh, steam anytime soon. So I'm wondering if you're gonna basically do that, you're gonna basically buy an electric car if you have to charge it at home. How much is that gonna cost you on your electric bill? It doesn't make that much. I'm telling you, it doesn't make a difference based on what we've seen. Because the thing is, is that when we when he plugs it up at home that's slow charge that's not fast charge when he goes to one of those electric hookups and does the charge that's fast charge so that's different so at home it's like a slower charge also he can charge it at work for free so that's another thing so i don't know how it is everywhere else but i know like particularly in new england in particular they're everywhere here so it's not like it used to be where like you didn't know if you were going to like if you take a road trip, you didn't know if you were going to actually run into another like charging station. It's not like that now. So I don't know how it is in Canada, but I know here like that's particularly in New England, like that's not an issue. They have like electric charging stations here at the grocery store parking lots. They're everywhere yeah, here. They got that where I'm at. My my credit union, allow. I don't have an electric car, but my credit union allows free charges. Um, I want to ask how long... Um, how many miles on one charge for your uh, husband's car? Do you know? Oh, 12 bucks. I know, I know, like no. he's taking it on road trips before, though. So, how, I mean, like, how many miles, though? How many miles on one charge can, can, does the car tell you? I only know, I'm only asking because of what I do. And I'm like, eh, I'm not going to. 
I think I do like twelve hundred miles a week. Uh, uh he I drove do. from he drove from Massachusetts to Vermont. So, but like, but you don't know on according to the specification. I guess you didn't read the specifications on. It's the not car. my car. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not my car. I don't have an electric car. I still have my old Hyundai. Yeah, okay. yeah, as I was saying, <laughs> as I was saying, Sabrina. So I don't know how much this thing costs you on your on your electric bill compared to a normal person. I because you, you said it cost thirty thousand dollars for just a small one. It depends. Like I said, the Tesla has different models now. Um, it used to be more expensive, and they still have the expensive ones. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because even for a small one, I don't think most people had thirty thousand dollars lying around to buy one. So I don't think it's going to be picking well, up. Well, most people don't have. I mean, when I bought my car, like every car I've had has been a used car. You can buy a used Tesla too. So the thing is, is like, I mean, I don't think anybody that I know of has $30,000 just to like throw around. But yeah. that's why people have car payments. So I think I'll report what I'm trying to say is, does it really save you enough when you charge it at home? Or is it going to cost you? Because somebody might say, I'll take my gas guzzling car over the, the electric bill that's going to rise. No, the electric I, I bill that. doesn't... That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's a slow charge at home. The elect, Our electric bill is still the same. Our electric bill hasn't changed because the thing is, like I said, he can charge it at work. So when he goes to work and he goes into the office or whatever, he plugs up his car, is fully charged when he leaves. Like when he charges at home, he's not charging it for a long time to begin with anyway. Mm-hmm. And then two, according to him, he said it was more expensive when he had to pay for gas because gas is, is expensive here. Gas is not cheap in eastern Massachusetts. So that's the thing. If you got free charge at work, free charge at home, like, again, like I said, our electric bill has not increased since he started charging it at home. Mainly what makes our electric bill increase is heat because we have really long winters. So during the winter, our electric bill will go up because of the heat. Our electric bill doesn't really go up because of the AC. It doesn't go up because he's charging his car. It's usually the heat that makes our electric bill go up, at least here. Uh, Somebody mentioned also in the chat that why would you buy an electric car if you knew what the materials, where the material comes from? Like they mentioned the lithium or it comes from African countries knowing what the fuck we're doing over there. Why would you buy any car? We, if you know where the materials come from, where do you guys think the materials for well, you, all our cars come from? Well, that's why I went back to um, Ashura about we can replace um, all that stuff using the graphene made from hemp. I think it's uh, you don't have to exploit anything to or anyone. Focused. It's just you know, um, like, hmm, what happened? What was oh, that? Sorry, I think we got a bit of a delay, and you maybe you dropped a little bit, Roger. Oh, now I was just saying, um, yeah, yeah, just just from the graphene in the hemp. You see what I'm saying? That that's used to. Um, I mean, you could just really Google it about you know batteries made from hemp. It'll it'll say that graphene in it um, allows for a, uh, a, a huger, bigger charge, or it can hold a charge for a longer time. It's more reliable, and and all of that. So. Again, we don't have to. If we just invested in it, we don't have to be like, oh, we got to go invade other countries to, and exploit and all that different type of stuff. We could grow it here. You know, we, we could, you know, we could grow. And not to mention the fact, 
it takes carbon out of the atmosphere faster than um, than uh, uh, trees and stuff. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely potential there. I mean, I, I would just say in general, I, I just think it's a mistake to get too focused on on the technology itself. You know, whether this technology is good or that, or or even fueling or or any of this stuff, because it it really comes down to like who who's controlling the technology, who's benefiting, oh, of course. who's benefiting benefiting from it, and as long as we have this current system of you know, ripacious capitalism, billionaire capitalism, that's, everything's that's going to be was... fucked up. I mean, that's just, Absolutely. and so, you know, I, I think we, we really need to be working on, you know, how do we, how do we fix this whole system? You know, how do we have a government that's, that's actually our government that actually represents us and not the billionaires. And I, I think, you know, the things that we that's can do we towards to that will, um, you know, will let us have nice things. You know, we can have nice things. And, you know, I think if we don't do that, then it's it, any, any new technology that comes up, is just going to be leveraged for the billionaires and be, and be shitty and scary. I mean, that's to me, that's the choice and the crucial yeah. part of it. I mean, like, because, because and because of billionaire interest, there's no ethical consumption. And that's what I want people to really get, because like, even smartphones like there's no if you have a smartphone you're supporting child labor are you guys going to get rid of your phones you, you see what i mean like there's no there's no ethical consumption because of the billionaire class let's right, bring in saying, um, good evening so uh i just wanted to tell you um sabby about um a particular segment that I saw that I think you'll be interested in uh, making a clip of. So Black Power Media was supposed to have on Cornell West and um, they were going to talk about music and culture. And unfortunately he couldn't be on. No, they and... had him on. I saw the episode. No, no, no. It was, it was this week. They were supposed to have him on. I, I and... saw the episode. In fact, I can pull it up right now. Well, I think it was, um, it, it was a different uh, podcast on Black Powder Media. Anyways, he was supposed to be on this one particular episode, that, um, and unfortunately, he didn't make it. But they, but then he said they had a surprise guest, and they brought on Michael Renderer, otherwise known as uh, Killer Mike. And so, Sabi, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I think you'll find this interesting. They got him on the record talking about Cop City. So. I see that. I see it now. Like, well, good, because I'm, when I know when I interviewed Kamau, I asked him, like, has he spoken out about it or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, you're the one that's really vocal about what's happening in Atlanta, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you might. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Yeah, I, it's it's Cornell West from James Brown to Bootsy Collins. It was streamed eight days ago. I, I know that, but what I'm saying, he's supposed to be on this show. He's supposed to be on this particular show um, oh. for this week, and so it ended up being a Killer Mike uh, interview. But oh, okay. So, so it's interesting. You might want to take a look at the clip where he talks about Cop City and stuff. He's a capitalist, exactly. Yeah, that's why when people said, "Would you talk to Killer Mike?" I'm like, I could, but he he's a capitalist. 
Mm-hmm. Like he ain't really trying to. He don't really want to. Like his his solution to the problem, and I've seen him do multiple interviews. Is well, we mm. need black ownership of things. That's just more capitalism. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be black businesses, but what I'm saying is like you're not addressing the root cause of the problem, man. Yeah, and you are a Bernie Sanders supporter. You are a Bernie Sanders supporter. You're not addressing the root cause of the problem, which is the billionaires. And that was something that Bernie talked about often. So how you miss that part? Yeah, that's yeah. He he, he is kind of conflicting on those types of issues. Yeah. What we need is cooperative ownership regarding what Eric was talking about before, about who controls all of this technology or whatever. That's all I want to say is that what we need is cooperative ownership because no matter what technology or whatever we go to, we can't have the billionaires getting their corporatists, getting their greedy hands on it. It has to be community worker cooperative ownership. The other question I have for you, Savvy, it's kind of off topic, but maybe it is on topic a bit. Do you think if you were just to do like a radio show, you would you would have spend less you would have you would be um less tired because you were doing a radio show versus doing also stuff with computers and uh, TV and all of that stuff regarding live stream? Do I look tired? <laughs> no, no. But what I'm saying is, Don't ask him, like, do I look like that? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, is, is because a lot of people complain about um, a lot of live streams being exhausting to them by doing that day after day. And I was just wondering if it was easier for people to do it on radio. I don't know. That's my, that was my basic question. Radio is tricky because with radio, you have to like, you can't just say, I'm going to do a radio show. They have to pick Mm. you and they have to pick you. And then also on top of that depending on which radio station you're on you may not be able to cover some of the topics that i cover like you may not be able to talk about israel and palestine the way that i talk about Mm. it like for example so radio is it's it's tricky unless you're on like uh sputnik or um what's the one there's one that chris hedges and margaret kimberly are on i think that's the one in new york but again you have to be they have to pick you that's I forgot what that was called, but Margaret is but you, on. Thursdays. You know what I'm talking about, Roger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They each have a different day. It's Chris Hedges, Margaret Kimberly. I think Garland. No, Garland's on Sputnik. Chris Hedges, Margaret Kimberly. I think Grace Owen might be on there as well. Like, there's a bunch of different people, but they all have different days and different times. But again, like I said, they have to pick you. You can't just. Just say, hey, let me be a part of the radio show, and they can let you. Other thing about radio. They can let you mm-hmm. go at any time because I like when I when I was in um, my senior year of college at University of South Carolina, my best friend lived next door to Charlemagne. This is when Charlemagne used to actually do the radio show in Columbia and they can let you go at any time. You know, so radio people, people that primarily just do radio, they usually may bounce around. Even Wendy Williams herself bounced around when she did radio because they don't. They keep you for as long as they need you in this, like, and a lot of times you're starting out, they put you on the late night shift that nobody's really listening to. And then mm. you have to wait for other people to drop from those bigger spots to possibly get those spots. But like radio's tough, man, and they don't pay much at all in the beginning unless you have one of those big spots. Yeah. 
Well, that's all I wanted to ask. Uh, everybody have a great night. 99.5 WBAI NYC. That's what it is. Thank you, Roger. I just wanted to say I saw that um, podcast with Killer Mike and his position on Cop City essentially is there's a hundred million dollars of capital behind it. It's pretty much there. So he doesn't feel it's a worthwhile, you know, situation for him to get involved in trying to stop it because, you know, when in his opinion, when you have that much money and, you know, committed to a project, it's going to come no matter what you do. And so his thing is, you know, we should focus on trying to have or they should focus on trying to have local people involved in oversight boards and this, that and a third and blah, blah, blah. It was so clear to me that he is an accommodationist and he is a pacifist when it comes to capital. And so, like you said, he's a capitalist and you know, because here's my thing, ethically speaking, whether you think it's there or not, because you have a platform and you have this outsized voice, it benefits to have people of bigger stature and bigger reach to come out against it and say it's wrong because the community is telling you they don't want it. And you just, but he refuses to put whatever his capital is in terms of the media space and the platform space, he's just not going to come out against it. And that's, that's the right. bottom line. That's right. He's going to protect his own, his own interest. It's funny how rap music has changed though. It used to be the opposite. They used to call out the cops. That's right. Then you see KRS one up there cheering on uh, the police after he made the song called that's the sound of the police. Like, all these people have sold the fuck out. Let's bring it. Adil Libertiers, I wanted to come back to you just to see if you had anything else to add because I know you didn't speak that long and then I'll bring in Ruben. You know what I was thinking about? Um, you know, Je uh, speaking of capitalists, um, you know how when Jenk <laughs> kept saying that like Bernie didn't win because of the media, the media. Like, I was like, at first I was confused. Like, why would he keep saying that? And then I was like, oh, he's trying to say the solution is TYT <laughs> to all of our problems. Bernie didn't win because you peasants didn't sign up for a TYT membership. And you all need to go, go out there and buy the book. Just kidding. But like, you know what I mean? He said he was saying, like, basically, I'm the solution to <laughs> progress. Democratic Party. But That's that issue. Bernie the fucking establishment freaks that nobody... He was saying the Democratic Party isn't powerful. They don't have really power at all. We just need to win the primaries. It's such a grift because Jenk makes money off of Democratic candidates. And that's why he was also saying, I mean, people didn't really catch this, but like, you know, he was basically saying like, oh, and in the general, it's different because you might actually help Trump win. Like he was doing the whole fucking broken points, talking points. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Sabi, what did you think about Jenk? Do you think he's going to how many copies do you think he's going to sell? Is it going to be three? What do you think? I just think I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Probably not many, because the thing is, is like, look, I'm gonna be honest. You can only c continue to sell this whole progressivism, uh, 
strategy through the Democratic Party for so long. People have already started to check out, right? That's why Crystal and Kyle have moved over to the Democratic Party's centrist side. And they're saying, oh, let's just go ahead and support Joe Biden because they see the writing on the wall. They ain't stupid. That's that's why they're doing that. Because they know, like, okay, how can we continue to make more money and continue our lifestyle as is? Well, we see this whole progressive strategy isn't working, so we're going to have to become like David Pakman, which is funny considering Kyle made fun of David Pakman for years for doing just that, and now they're doing the same thing. I mean, they even have the same hair he, now. I mean, it's crazy. He sounds like a fool up there talking about, ooh, it's <laughs> the media, as if there is no corporate connectivity between the Democratic Party and the media. I'm me, like, exactly. You sound like a fool. Let's whack a mole. You're going to say, oh, don't look at the Democratic Party and diminished the impact of what they do to rig the system and point you into the other direction and say, oh, it's the media. Oh, this and this. That's just like Trump was saying. But the bottom line is because we don't have a free and independent press and no reliable fourth estate to help hold the governance accountable. The parties are just as powerful a player in that nexus as anybody else. And then to slow walk you through this, oh, the primary is this and the general is that. Well, motherfucker, if we can't get through the primaries, what sense does it make to get to the A and B selection in the general? It is the system. And I thought it was just demoralizing for him to sit up there and try and push that through when it makes absolutely no sense. He was looking we, for a way out because there's a point where he even uh, said that uh, he had, he says that the Democratic Party don't rig the election. That was Jimmy Dore making shit up. Then Brianna George Gray tells him that they, they do do it, but he didn't push, he didn't push back. We need um we need to get the message out to people like Brianna and a few other people when he was making this thing of. Uh, the third party is going to cost the election and give it to Donald Trump. We really need to start telling these people it's the electoral college that picks the, uh, the president, not really us. Yeah, they're and Democrats. They're Democrats. They're using the same excuse they use every four years. They're, he's not. It's not like Jenk is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, there's no talking, clowns. So. So, so third parties, the last time a third party won an electoral college vote was in 1968, okay? They can't, until a third party actually wins a state, because it's, it's a winner-take-all system. If, if you get, um, if you get um, 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 like, there's 20 electoral college votes in Pennsylvania, if I get 12 and you get eight, I win the state, but I just don't win my 12. I win your eight also. So until a third party actually wins a state, that argument of you cost, Jill Stein cost the election and Nader cost the election, parole cost the election. These people won no electoral college votes. You know what I mean? And we have to push back on, you know, like get it out there somehow to use as an argument. But what they'll say, I'm just going to tell you what they're going to say, just to play devil's advocate. What they're going to say is that 
yeah, those third party candidates don't win electoral college votes, but they took votes away from Hillary Clinton and that prevented her from getting those electoral college votes. I'm just, just going to tell you, I already know exactly. what they're going to say. They're going to say you could have voted for Hillary Clinton, but instead of voting, you pesky little you, third party voters, they never look at the non-voters, right? They never blame people who stayed home because that's a bad look. They always go for the people who took time to vote, but voted third party and say, you're the problem. I, I mean, they're just, it's, it's a delusional argument. The, the reason Democrats lose votes is because they can't convince enough people that they should win. I mean, and I feel like if we just point at all of the people who stayed home when Democrats lose and ask them about them or the 9% of people who voted for Trump in 2016, they never, they always blame the 5% that voted for Stein, never the 9% that voted for Trump. And, I mean, it's 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 just. I think with people like Jenk and and Kyle, they're pushing. They only care about their own brand. They only care about making money. That's why they're so invested with the Democratic Party and can't let it go to save their lives. Like it's it's about selling books, and that's why Jenk was trying to sort of. The, if I hear him one more fucking time say "corporate Democrats, corporate Democrat," they're all fucking Democrats. Like, you know, it doesn't, and he, he thinks of himself as like, oh, look at me criticizing the Democratic Party. No, bitch, you're a fucking, you're a fucking slave to the Democrats. Like, and you think we don't see your fucking grift? I mean, it, you know, because, because you sell justice Democrats as this like big fucking achievement. It was a fucking failure. I mean, they should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, you know, you notice now Jank is a big Marianne fan now. You mentioned her, even though they spent... even like her. It's just because the politics of, you know, she's running in the primary and she, like, he thinks she's, like, the Harris to the... I agree with Sabi. She's not a Harris to any movement. She's, she's like, you know, I, I, I almost feel bad, like, saying something mean about her. She's going to be irrelevant very soon. Uh, but it's all about... because But because she's running with the Democratic Party, she's a friend. She's running in the primary. And a primary can make Jenk money. A general, if Marianne ran the general, you're not going to see Jenk complimenting her. No, no, no. No, you're right. It's all about making money. Let's bring in Ruben. Ruben, go ahead and unmute. Hi, can y'all hear me? We can hear you. Okay, awesome. Good. Um, my 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 cell phone reception is very low. Just wanted to know if, if you guys can hear me. Anyways, um, I have some entertainment type of tea about drew barrymore go for it um, so um we all know that she had like this apology video right and for some reason she believed that people like really fell for it and this crocodile tear stuff so two minutes after she posted i like it went it circulated and i saw the video and I got pissed because she said that, you know, there's nothing that she could do to turn around. And it's and, and it's and it's her choice that she that that she owns her choice. I mean, and, and of like her decision. Right. And she basically plays, oh, um, what was me? I've been going through some rough patches in my life. And so when you're in this rough patch, you might think something, you know, weird. But since COVID came around, I made the show and they was a hit with COVID. And this is why I want to bring back the show. And so after the whole spiel about her, um, about why she, you know, 
she resumed um, her talk show, I just had to do this um, this remix. I, well, it's called the sequence now on IG. And um, mind you, she posted it, and two minutes later, I saw the whole thing. And then two, and and within that two minute mark, I had to say something, so I did. So I cut basically like thirteen or fifteen seconds, like 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 the first 15 seconds and where she um and where she said that she can't do anything about it and then i i said i said whatever I, whatever i said i said yes you can do something you can stop resuming your show you can put like halt it until the strikes are over uh because not it's it's not that hard it's so easy and i also mentioned in um in the reel that she chose her corporate slash network money rather than her writers the staff and that she's and that she's putting a bad president because now jennifer hudson she's going to come back and then sherry shepherd is going to come back and then since i name dropped also um will be goldberg because she's on the view um i um i uploaded it and so my sequence um slash remix um reaction um was blowing up like 10k and so i had to go to, um and so i went to work and i come back and basically the comment section on my um on my take was just a lot of people were dragging drew barrymore and making comparisons with bill maher and then all of a sudden it got pulled down like my my sequence slash remix of her apology video got pulled down and you know why and so um um so yeah so like um this was on on tiktok no this was on no this was on ig okay so like i came back from lunch because i was like oh shit um it, like Instagram pulls it down. I'm in trouble. I want to get in trouble. I'm just, you know, pretty much new. And it turns out I go back to Drew Barrymore's main page and she or whoever her PR person did pulled her original video down. Hence why my video was also pulled down. And I remember I had 25K of views and I'm, I was the only one whoever did a remix slash sequence of her apology. And then all of a sudden, like this was, um, and then um, the, 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 the mainstream press has already been um, running the story about like her apology video and people saying bad things, but they didn't mention, you know, this one particular, you know, um, remix reaction. And um, all of a sudden, like, and, and this happened Friday or like, 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 before she ever um, decided to to halt production over over this past weekend, and then now Jennifer Hudson is um, is halting her show and the talk as well, and it was kind of weird because like I was getting a lot of views, and then all of a sudden, and within two hours worth um, of this whole thing, she pulls it down. So that was like interesting. That and yeah, I, um, I named dropped in for Hudson, Jerry Shepard, and Whoopi Goldberg because Whoopi Goldberg is still part of SAG, and then she's and she is, she, you know, like on the View, and she can't do that. But people are not calling her out. But yeah, um, like Jennifer Hudson's show is on, um, is 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 now halted. That's really interesting. 
Yeah, it's, I've been, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it's been interesting to see some of the celebrities that have basically, you know, showed their whole ass in reference to unionizing and um, being scabs. I never thought that, I expected it from Bill Maher. I didn't expect it from Drew Barrymore. Yeah, it was, it was weird. And like, um, I had, um, I had more, more positive comments from like, from the political statement I've said, I've said like, you know, that she chose money and then people were like, also said the same, like similar things that, that, that you've said. And I said, you know what, it's, it's not about being nice. It's not about X, Y, and Z. Cause if so, then Starbucks wouldn't be un- like union busting, you know? Um, and so she, and, and, and then on the video said she chose her network slash corporate money rather than her writers. And then like said, and, and within two hours worth, it got pulled down. So it all happened in within two hours. So like her apology, my reaction, the like I almost went viral and then it was pulled down. But then the mainstream press didn't say that it was pulled down. That's that's one thing that 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 the press um, left off. They still say like it's there, but in reality, if you go to her main page, she doesn't have the apology video anymore. That's really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, but that's pretty much that's pretty much it on my end. Thank you so much, Ruben. All right. And I'm just gonna bring in Anthony and then I'll go to you, Roger, and then I gotta head out. What's up, Anthony? Just gotta unmute. Oh, thank you so much. Good evening. Wow, well from Russell Brand to Crazy Chank, it's it's a lot. And Drew <laughs> Barry. But geez, I, I just called. I have an update, I guess, on the UAW uh, pseudo strike. <laughs> oh, go for it. Yeah, they said. Um, well, I just drove by literally right now the factory where they make the F one fifties on my way home from work, and the things full bore steams coming out the smokestack. I mean, they're not striking there at the F one fifty plant, but um, they said Friday at noon. They will escalate and maybe strike a couple more um, plants. So Friday, that's the 22nd. And then apparently Trump is coming to Detroit on the 27th, uh, which is the same day as the second Republican debate. And he's going to speak to <gasps> union members here in Detroit. And what? someone says, yeah, and yeah, Biden hasn't even are come here. nervous. My God. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to say the electric cars are a scam, which I kind of agree with, but that's not really the hard. So, so instead of, I didn't expect him to go to the debates anyway, but instead of going to the debates, he's actually going to be there with the, the unions. This is wild, you guys. And Joe Biden. Right. And someone was like, does that mean to show him in front of the strike. crowd? Right. You'd think they'd want to have it over by next Tuesday, but who knows? I mean, I said there's too many chaperones on this field trip, too many Democratic Party But that's basically only going to help Donald Trump in the polls, basically, if you think about it, because while they're going to be on the debate stage, he's going to be out there with the workers. You see how they see how like Republicans can take a page from this is basically what technically back in the day what democrats would be doing they would be out there supporting the workers but wow 
do do you think that um, Joe Biden, who basically said he was with the workers, compared to Donald Trump, who's going to be down there with them, is going to be a bigger. It's going to be a bigger, will it be a, a bigger change for Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump's not really going to be for the workers whatsoever if he gets in the office. He's probably going to ship their jobs regardless. He did that before mm-hmm. from some other power plant. He gave them, he gave, he gave the bosses money and then says, I was with the workers. And then he lets the, <laughs> he lets the, the head company just ship the jobs to Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably what he's going to do. But you know what? It's all about the optics. And that's the thing, Ashura that as long as they pretend, see, they're just going virtue signal, right? He's just going to virtue signal just like Democrats do. Let me make it look like I care about the workers and then that's all that matters and I'll be good to go. And that's yeah, that's he, probably what he's going to do. Yeah, because the new team that he has, oh, those, those people, it, it seems like this is a resurgence of 2016 campaign Trump where they, they had, their, they had their, uh, their eyes on the ground. This one too, like when he came out and says, Oh, I I want people to stop dying, and he was repeating that shit, and I got him like so many liberals lost their fucking minds on CNN. Caitlin Collins almost lost her job that day. Yep. Yeah, yep. it does weirdly feel like 2016, and because Biden is such a weak candidate, and that was really, I think, the the echo from back then. Like, you know, when the Trump was hitting Hillary, he was hitting her from the left. He was hitting her on NAFTA and war and, you know, and the fact that Biden hasn't even gone yet to the UAW strike, I, I was reading articles in Politico about, you know, Democrats, they're freaking out. They're, they're, they're all like all of the House members are telling Biden to go already. Basically bring the, the communist manifesto, say whatever he needs to say to rile up people. You know, it would help with fundraising too. But there is such a fear because the guy fucks up. I mean, he went to Maui and like, you know, it was a disaster. Like he, he would have turned Maui, he would have turned Hawaii red. Like, you know, if Joe Biden goes to Michigan and fucks up publicly, that turns Michigan red. You know, they don't want him around people. They want him. You see, so that's my theory of why Biden hasn't gone yet and why Trump is sort of able to go there first is that they're scared to have him in public. I don't know, Savvy, what do you think? Yes. No, that's what I was going to say. I really think they are afraid to let Joe Biden talk and interact with the people. I think they're trying to hide him as much as possible because they don't want people to see how he's struggling. I really do think they're trying to hide him. But that being said, like, Someone mentioned he hasn't, you guys just said he hasn't gone to see um, the UAW workers. I just want to remind everyone, Joe Biden still has not visited people in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, he's not going there. They, they, that's Trump country. It's he's such a, those people. yeah, well, he's not going to because, you know, even when Buttigieg went, I went, I, 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 I looked really closely because I, I wondered how he would handle the whole backlash thing. If you remember, Everybody called him out, basically, Buttigieg, for um, not going and lying at first, and then eventually he did go. All of his photos were outdoors. All of his photos were, um, you know, they obviously it was coordinated, but, like, he would sort of be with people in the field. It would never be indoors. Why? Because they he they doesn't want to breathe the toxic chemicals when you go into the city hall or when you go into like a gymnasium or whatever the fuck Biden would have had to do. His brain would have bled out of his ears. I mean, people were getting nosebleeds. People were getting headaches. 
people they don't want Biden around. But, but they, I mean, Biden doesn't want to be around that either. You know, so even Buttigieg wouldn't that, risk. That his would own be health. that would be good for that would be good for him. Neoliberal tears. His brain, his brain actually came out of well, his nose because now you could get tomorrow faster. I mean. It just shows that, like, you know, the way they're able to disregard the lives of these people, but not risking themselves, it's so disgusting to me. I mean, and I could be wrong, uh, but, but, but. But he can, I mean, he can wear a mask or, or something like he can no, wear like protective gear. But that would make a horrible photo op. It <laughs> <laughs> look like a space an alien. Landed in Maui or some shit. Because I noticed that the media, they're openly questioning his um, cognitive decline now. Like they, they didn't used to do that. They used to shrug it off. Oh, it's just Republican talking point. Now they're saying, oh, there's something wrong with Biden. I think they're going to replace him. Either it's Gavin Newsom or you Kamala can, Harris. You can hear the centrists, like, you know, like getting ready. They're, they cannot wait. They I mean, but... Um... They can't hide it with him anymore, um, Ashura, because it's been so obvious now. Too many public embarrassments. Yeah, but, but there's this new thing about Trump now. They're saying the same thing about Trump. MSNBC said he said World War Two. I think he meant World War Three. And now <laughs> Morning Joe is trying to basically say he's got cognitive decline. But I'm like, Donald Trump can stand there talking way more with... I mean, he may say some dumb shit, but it's coherent compared to Joe Biden. No, I mean, when it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy what they're to doing. Vote. It, yeah, it's crazy. Like, the, the, but but you know, when people have been conditioned to vote for the lesser of two evils, and you present them with, you know, Biden in this condition and Trump, like, I don't know what they're expecting. Like, you know, it's 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 a disaster. Like. But, but, but I, you know, but I was also thinking like, um, you know, with, um, oh, sorry guys, I lost my trail of thought. Um, oh no, actually, yes. So if you guys saw, uh, Kshama, she posted, um, a statement about the, the sort of the quote unquote strategic strike, um, where only 13,000 r- roughly people are striking instead of the 300,000. And it's, it's to me, it reeks of like, Democratic Party sort of like getting in there and trying to get them to hold back because that is way less effective. I'm sorry, like as a leverage to to have like a tenth of your workforce striking. Like, I don't understand why anyone is selling that as a win. Um, uh, and I wish Anthony maybe was going to be able to tell us more about that and how people feel about that, because I feel like it's really being misrepresented as like some great strategic maneuver. No, when you strike... Uh, 10% of your workforce is striking instead of like the full membership, 97% that voted to strike, period. It, f- it feels sh- fucked up. I mean, um, and, and I, I was happy to see Shama sort of calling that out. Um, hey, Sabrina, the whole point of uh, what Shama is doing, isn't it to make people strike, uh, to make them go, go out and strike, seeing that the union heads don't want to do shit? Why, yes. Why yes. Them, instead of having 10,000 of them come out, she should have just come out and said, let's go out together. That's what social... Was it social alternative? I think it was what it's called. I Why didn't yeah. she just pick up the baton? Worker strike back. Yeah, worker strike back. Why didn't she take the baton from what this motherfucker did on, t- on TV? That was the, like the worst shit I've ever seen. He basically hyped people up on the stream, and then he said, 
we're not going to do that. We're not going to completely go out completely. We're just going to go a little, just a little bit of us. And then the rest of us stay, stay worthy. I'm like, the fuck kind of, what kind of message is that? I kind of message is the kind of message that has been, you know, the democratic party has been in there some way, shape or form. That's, that's what that tells you that they got a hold of them and said, Hey, how about you do this instead? That's why I said, like, union should have never gotten in bed with political parties. That was a big mistake. And that's another reason why we need to push for worker cooperatives instead. People are selling themselves short. And honestly, they could have caused a giant catastrophe if they all would have walked out at the same fucking time. There is no way those companies were going to fire all of those people. And that's what people need to understand. Plus, uh, they said they had, like, some kind of... uh cash flow that's like eight million dollars if you got a cash flow eight million eight million dollars you might as well go out there all together and just protest the fuck out of it i don't know man uh i don't know for halloween i think um sabi i'm gonna design for everybody uh costumes of crystal with the nlrb uh (laughs) talking point um, that she carries around everywhere she goes. I mean, that's such a, that is such a joke. And I was going to arm you guys with, because we're going to get a lot of fucking people telling us we hate labor rights if we don't vote for Biden and the NLRB. I forgot that like uh, Joe Manchin co-sponsored the PRO Act um, in 2021. So back when Democrats still had full control of the House, the Senate, and the, and the presidency, Joe Biden, uh, sorry, Joe Manchin co-sponsored the PRO Act. Did Democrats pass it? Did they do it? Did I, did I miss the part where they passed this great, um, you know, booster for labor rights in the country? Um, or did they just forget about it? Um, now that Manchin is is widely expected to lose, um, he's running for re-election in 2024. He's really expected to lose his seat. So it didn't even matter that he co-sponsored it. You see what I'm saying? Like he didn't even have to, to vote on it. Exactly. Neoliberal tears. That's the point. If they know that their seat is not extinct, like if they know they're on their way out anyway, then what they do don't really matter. If they still try to hold on to that seat, then it matters. Joe Manchin is very wealthy. He's one of the most wealthiest senators in the Senate. So, and not just from him being a senator, but coal money. Coal money. So his family is very wealthy. But this is the kind of thing. And I think, you know, I look back on it and stuff and I'm just like, this is just all a fucking game and we do not have control of the board the billionaires have control of the board and so that's why it frustrates me when so many people are quick to come to elon musk defense and i'm like this guy is still a billionaire he's not your friend he's he's not your buddy and your pal just because he said yeah people should have free speech have you guys paid attention to what's happening on twitter okay Because from what I noticed, it seems like to me a lot of right-wing accounts are being promoted and the left voices are still being suppressed. That is still happening. And uh, I think the government... Do you think the government wants to take control of Twitter with the whole Elon Musk... uh, What was it called? I forgot what the thing he has. Like uh, some kind of uh, missile, rocket, whatever the fuck it was. 
uh, I think they want control of it, you know, some way to take the company from him so they can just be full on censorship. Because I find it kind of weird. They, they want to take his company just because he refused to give some kind of laser guidance system to Ukraine. Well, in a recent statement, he said he's going to make he wants to make Twitter pay only so that you can only have a Twitter account if you pay for it. Yeah, I'm dipping now, I, I pay for Twitter Blue only because of clips to be able to post clips that are longer than two minutes and 20 seconds. But if he does that, a lot of people are going to leave. Not everybody can afford another fucking bill. I don't care how small it is, but not everybody's going to be willing to pay to be on this app. And again, that is discriminated against the people who are working class and the people who are poor. And that's what it's going to come down to. And if he turns it that way, like he's destroyed this fucking app, you guys. Let's keep it real. Like, yes, he did some good things with Twitter files, but he has destroyed this app. This app is not X, fun anymore. Like it X, used to be. the name X is fucking stupid. The logo, the X logo is fucking ugly. Um, and I completely agree with you, Sabi. We need to take it back from Elon. Like Twitter is ours. Okay. Like Twitter is where I get to like, you know, like try out creative things and be funny. Like, you know, it's not, he should not have ownership of that space, like, you know, of the public discourse. And, you know, like, you're exactly right. Like, it would weed out all of the working class voices um, and the people who can't afford to pay for it. So what's the point? It's so stupid. Elon Musk has locked Garland Nixon out of his fucking account. He is a Twitter blue subscriber and they locked. Isn't like, uh, aren't the the real like owners of the Twitter thing, the the Saudis, because I, I think there's a big chunk of the money comes from them, right? So too, last I heard. Um, but it just it he's destroyed the fucking app. This whole thing about putting limitations on people, how many DMs they can send, how many tweets they can read. This is fucking stupid. No other social media platform is doing this. TikTok doesn't do that, Facebook doesn't do that. I mean, this is Instagram doesn't do that. That is ridiculous. Like it's so Facebook will pay you. Facebook will pay you to use it. It's so like you want the fact that you have so many people tuned in. Like that's an asset. You're already sending us so many ads. I see so many ads for Vivek the Snake (laughs) and uh, Sherrod Brown for whatever fucking reason. I guess he's not doing well in the polls. So someone who might lose. Isn't he supposed to be in prison? That's the black uh, cowboy hat guy, right? Who? Oh, Vivek the Snake? Who's supposed no, to be no, in no, prison? No, no, no. They, 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 I, thought they, I thought you were talking about the, the black sheriff, the cowboy hat sheriff. Like He was a big guy during the Trump years. He got arrested for some dumb shit. Like Maybe he was found with a girl or some drugs. I don't know. I thought we were talking about him. No, he was talking about Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. But the other thing is, too, is like even when it came to the Twitter spaces and hosting presidential candidates, he only hosted presidential candidates that he actually agreed with. Yeah. He only hosted like he hosted RFK Jr., Ron DeSantis, freaking Vivek, um, you know, not he did not offer to host any other people. And it's just, it's so bullshit. So him, the whole free speech thing, that's so fucking biased. He's just basically trying to make this a space that's more comfortable for people that are like his his Bitcoin bros and his tech bros and all those people. Those are the people he's made it more comfortable for. That's why those people, like people like David Sachs, um, 
Marco, uh, Nothel, um, freaking, uh, what's his face? Um, oh, Junior. Like, so he's making it a place for them, basically, because he likes them. So he's, they're amplifying their stuff. And I don't care what people say, oh, RFK Jr. is a presidential candidate. There are other people who are presidential candidates too, and their tweets are not getting anywhere near as much traction as the people that Elon likes. And to people attention to, be to fair, Sabrina. I don't think he's destroying uh, Twitter. I think Twitter was destroyed in 2016 when Trump got elected. And you, you knew how Democrats, they were all in to go after Trump on Twitter. I mean, I, I think it was the... The thing that my Taibbi did, the Twitter files said that they basically they were in control. I mean, I think Elon's under a lot of monetary pressure because with all that money they they put into it, they really need to monetize Twitter and get and get profits flowing out of it. So I think there's a lot of pressure there that can maybe explain the motivation for some of these things he's doing. But the other thing that occurred to me is that um, I think what you're seeing with Musk and Twitter is just very publicly what billionaires do in the economy and in the society in, in general. I mean, if, if you're a billionaire, if you're up in that class, basically the whole economy is your, your whatever slice of it you control is like your plaything. So you can, you know, and so we don't usually see it through this directly. It doesn't play out this publicly, but billionaires have been, you know, doing this fuckery to, to all of us, you know, just all over the economy. <laughs> That's what they do. That's right. He's been elevating those voices. All right, guys, I do have to head out, but thanks so much for hanging out with me. Hey, you said I was going to get last word. <laughs> go ahead really quick, Roger, and then Are I got to go. Special? Oh, no, that's what she <laughs> – anyway. Um, no, I was just going to say that um, – what do you call it? Uh, shoot, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, now I remember. Did you see JB on um, Larry on JB today? I did. I I listened to it. Yeah, he was talking about how the um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, you know about how they buy ads and stuff like that. You know when you're not in the market to buy an F sixteen fighter or anything from Lockheed and Martin, you can have an initiative that bars companies from advertising things that the public is not in the market to buy. You see what I'm saying? So I'm talking about like banning uh, Lockheed and Martin from advertising on uh, news channels and things of that nature. Like if the public is not in in the market to, to, to buy anything that this company is selling, then they shouldn't be advertising. This way you can possibly loosen up news organizations to comfortably investigate. Eh, just a thought. Oh, did I lose you? Well said. Well said. Thank you, Roger. All right, guys, I got to head out. Have a good night. Good morning. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.